so many moving parts. Good morning, K-Man. Rise and shine. We're up and at them. Hope everyone's having a fantastic day. Shamari, I see you. <laughs> uh, we're going to get to you here in just a second. Um, da, 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 da. So I've discovered something new with audio that's simply amazing. So give me about 30 seconds and we will be ready to go live. Sorrel, ginger, beaver grass, or English. Get it ready. Your morning tea just got hotter. Ooh, honey child. On the cold hard truth, Bobo 89.1 and Cayman's number one talk show are bringing you morning talk like no one else. Monday Rewind, Impact Wednesdays, Caribbean Connections, and much more. Don't miss a beat with what's happening in the local community. Just keep sipping your tea. What a mess. Here's your host, live and direct from the Cayman Islands, Sandy Hill. Good morning, K-Man. Rise and shine. It is a beautiful Tuesday morning, May the 21st. Let's get at it. I see the sun really trying to poke through this Saharan dust that we've been dealing with. Oh my gosh, it's doing its best, but it's still a little bit cloudy out there. So, um, you know, be careful if you have any sort of respiratory issues, because you definitely need to be on the alert. So, of course, it's Tuesday. So, good morning to Miss... Um, Miss Virtuous, good morning to Irvlyn. Chantal has got it locked. We've got Marshall, who's also here. Miss Romelia says, good morning. Have a blessed day in the Lord. Thank you so much. Good morning to the beautiful Miss Beulah, also got it locked. Um, did I say something other than May the 21st? <clears throat> Kayla's like, wait a minute. It's May the 21st. So good morning. It is May the 21st. What, what did I just say? May the... Oh my goodness, got the date wrong. Diamond Princess, good morning. Yes, it is Tuesday, May the 24th. So ignore whatever I just said two seconds ago because I, I swore in my head I said the 24th. But you see, that's how the brain works. Felicia, good morning. Um, Amelia says, nope, <clears throat> it's the 21st of May. Mm -hmm. At least I didn't say it was Christmas. Then I said the 21st. Oh, my apologies. No, it's the 24th. So yes, don't get confused. Um, had I said it was Christmas Day, you guys would have been like, what? Scrabbling for Christmas presents. Uh, so lots of interesting stuff happening in the news today. We've got a full show lined up for you. We do have a special caller. You guys want to make sure that you stay tuned. Who's going to be joining us, <clears throat> I guess, um, <laughs> caller. And um, I, I'm not going to tell you who it is. And we're going to give away a prize a little bit later on. Maybe if you can guess who the mystery caller is going to be after our Tuesday rundown segment with Hell City. So you do not want to miss this, folks. Stay tuned for that. 
So we've got a special guest this morning um, who's going to be joining us from Health City. Of course, Shamari Scott is no stranger to the program. He's the chief business officer at Health City. Good morning, Shamari. Good morning, Sandy. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you? I am good. Well, well, the Sahara dust gave us a little bit of a reprieve on, on the weekend. I was outside quite a lot. And I mean, it wasn't the best to be overcast, but the sun wasn't beating me as usual. So that that was a pleasure <laughs> being outside. Good. <laughs> yes, good stuff. Yeah, a lot of people, um, you know, look outside and they think, is it going to rain? Is it not going to rain? They're not too sure, but a lot of it just seems to be this, the Saharan uh, dust, dust uh, yeah. just, you know, giving us a little bit of cloudy weather. Uh, but like you said, it makes for cooler times. It's been nice and breezy in the evening hours as well. Um, but of turn, course, people turn off with... The AC. Turn off your yeah. AC. Yep, absolutely. I wouldn't say open any windows, though, because I feel like if you've got respiratory issues, this <laughs> well, is probably yeah. not the time for that. Um, but we're going to be talking about our bariatric surgery this morning, which is a really, really important topic. And we have none other than our own Grayson McLean, who's going to be telling us all about his experience with this. Good morning, Grayson. Good morning. How are you doing? We're doing good. We're doing good. How are you? Oh, good, good. Fantastic. Awesome. Good stuff. So um, good morning to everyone tuned in at Bobo 89.1 FM, as well as our social media listeners between Facebook and YouTube. So good to see you guys um, watching this morning. So Grayson, it has been quite a journey for you. Um, I must say, I remember years ago, we'll, we'll talk about exactly, you know, what you've had done, but um, I saw you losing weight and I thought to myself, wow, what's going on with Grayson? He's starting to look nice and slim and trim. And it's amazing when you see people <clears throat> when you haven't seen them in a while. And then you see them and you see this amazing transformation, which it's almost been five years now for you. Um, and your transformation has been sustained. So let's let's talk a little bit about um, life before the surgery and um, kind of what got you to where you were. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, basically, um, before, you know, I never really took notice of it because I was so used to the size I was and that I felt comfortable with how I felt. I didn't realize that medically I was not physically healthy and that uh -huh. was the main thing if i walked even 15 to 20 steps my breathing was out of sync it was <sighs> so i was breathing heavy if i was recording a video you could hear my breathing so bad in the background sometimes it would drown out the video i was doing so and on top of that you know when my daughter started coming home crying that she wanted to fight at school because a kid was making fun of me I just tried to get her to brush it off. These were incentives for me to start looking at it. And, you know, eventually I ended up doing so with the help of the doctors at Health City. Um, he approached me, gave me a, a quick just breakdown on what it is. I started to do research and to think if I really wanted to. And the more things happened with myself, I just felt like it was time for me to make that decision. Mm-hmm. And, wow! And Sandy, um, just just yes. to mention that um, with Health City, we we offer weight loss options, mm -hmm. and it's it's not for anybody who you know thinks they had just have a few pounds that they need to to lose and you know come across the street and come to Health City and get it done. It's mm -hmm. actually a whole process of understanding whether or not you are a good candidate. Um, so if you have a BMI of over forty, for instance, which means 
typically people can, you know, on the internet, put in your height, put in your weight, uh-huh. and it will tell you, you know, where you are from an ideal weight or and or not. And when you put that in, if you're a hundred pounds more than what the ideal weight should be as a male, then you uh-huh. potentially will be a candidate. If you're 80 pounds more than your ideal weight as a woman, you may be a potential candidate as as well. Um, but even that being said, and Grayson will be able to tell you about that, we have a fully integrated team where you'll have the surgeon, you'll have the dietitian, you'll have the psychologist. And there's a process you have to go through for us to um, truly understand whether or not you're ready and willing and the probability of you actually making that lifestyle change is high enough for you to be approved to actually go through the surgery. Um, Not in the Cayman Islands, but in other places we've heard, you can email, pick up the phone, and places will say yes regardless, and you can go there and you can get cut. Uh, Mm -hmm. But that isn't what we're about. And there have been many instances where just through a change in diet, we will say, try this um, because we don't think you're a candidate. And and at times, if somebody isn't psychologically ready to make the lifestyle change, um, we won't go forward with the procedure and or surgery as well. So I just Mm -hmm. wanted to to tee it up um, so that persons understand that this isn't about cosmetics. This is truly about your health. And a lot of times um, persons will have comorbidities such as diabetes or um, may have the onset of diabetes. You know, they'll have sleep apnea, they'll have respiratory issues. And this, and I've tried everything. Um, Mm -hmm. However, willing to go through what needs to happen to change their diet as well as to regularly exercise and this is really just a jump start to be able to get you at a place that you can then keep it off. And I just want to make sure that, that we tee it up that way so persons understand what we're really talking about when we're talking about this type of weight loss surgery. And later in the program, we'll talk about the different varying um, procedures and or um, surgeries that, that, that can occur. Some minimally mm-hmm. invasive, others a little bit more invasive. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. So um, I'm glad that you sort of set the tone there, Shamari, for what people can expect, because I think a lot of people might think this is an easy fix. And I'm sure, uh, Grayson, you're probably reflecting on um, your journey up until 2017 before you became a candidate for this procedure. And you probably have dieted a countless number of times. Tell us a little bit about, you know, what your life was like. Um, Well, you said that you didn't really you almost kind of, it slipped up on you because you weren't really paying attention. You got used to how you looked in the mirror. Yeah, uh, it was basically every year you see extra pounds and stuff. You started to not pay attention and weight was just coming on. And as Shamara was saying, you know, basically I had a whole procedure that I had to go through, but I was doing every exercise possible. I was taking diet tablets. I mean, I was spending a lot of money on diet tablets trying to to get my weight off. But by the time I started to try to focus on it, it was a little too late. My metabolism had slowed down um, and everything else. That really caused a lot of issues with becoming um, almost a diabetes. I think I was rated at, at that point diabetes. Um, my cholesterol was right there on the borderline, heart, uh, having heart issues and stuff like that. My sleep apnea, all of these things that I never took notice that I just grew uncomfortable with and just didn't think it was anything. It was just part of 
being the size I was and I was okay. But until I actually got in and sat with the doctors and they started doing the testing, I started to hear these things It kind of started to help me open my eyes going, wow, how are you still even living with all of this that you're being told right about now? Mm. Wow. Sounds very, very serious. Um, so the need, the need was obviously uh, there for you to get it under control. Uh, you talked about, you know, the fact that your uh, daughter was having to, to deal with the stresses of having a parent who's overweight. And sometimes we don't want to admit um, that, you know, I don't want to say that we're a social outcast because I think in the Caribbean being fat and plump, sometimes people <laughs> actually applaud that and they think you look sexy when you have, a, you know, too many pounds really. But, you know, that's something I think a, a vision for ourselves that we need to change as a people. But there are people who will look at you and say, you know, why are you carrying all this excess weight? And they're going to make, you know, snarky remarks either behind your back. Very few people come up to you and, and say, hey, Sandy or Grayson or Shamari, you know, you look like you've packed down a packed on a couple of pounds. Although oh, Caribbean well, people. Well, I was about to say, well, Sandra. Because Sandra. Sandra. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, Sandra. Um, I don't know because a greeting sometimes is you get fat, eh? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not a serious conversation about your health. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, I was going to rethink that because, yeah, they'll, they'll throw that. They'll throw a comment or two out there. Um, but, you know, all of this has both a, a psychological impact on us as well as a physiological impact. So, you know, you talk about the diabetes. Um, it increases your, your risk uh, carrying excess weight for all sorts of different things, including, you know, strokes and, and heart attacks and um you know, just cancers, like everything. So I think it's really, really important for people to understand the why behind trying to get uh, your weight into manageable, um, you know, scale on a manageable scale and really try to focus on your health overall. And you know, the, the funny thing about weight, Grayson, and you can tell us if this has been your experience is once you start to lose it and you start to feel better, you're then able to um, really focus on doing a bit more exercise and the things that will help you to continue on that, uh, on that health, healthy journey. Actually, you're correct on that. It has helped me. Um, you know, I find myself just out of the blue, just taking a walk from the house, um, just maybe a mile down the road, coming back just because uh, it doesn't feel no way, riding my bike, playing volleyball, playing softball, and everything else. I'm getting in back into my activities, I'm doing my weightlifting and everything else now, back in my, even right in my yard. I don't have to go to the gym. I can do that right here. You know, went the old Cayman style, take a piece of pole, two, two blocks on the end, and start lifting and keep lifting. <laughs> so I do my own little exercise routine here and it's getting excellent now for me that I can do this and I'm not breathing hard. I don't feel out of wind and I, you know, my whole lifestyle has completely changed from the food portions to the time of eating, what I'm eating, how I'm eating, all of this changes um, during the whole process. And once you're basically mind strong, as I call it for myself, you do this procedure, it is basically you just have to be mind strong on it and be willing to put in the work because I really don't want to go back. I literally keep one pair of pants, just fold away that anytime I want to do what I call on my cheat day um, it, to go overboard. I just kind of look at those pants and go, ah, remember, this is where you were. 
all the work you've put in, do you want to go back there? So eventually it becomes easy that it doesn't become work. It's just a mm -hmm. daily living process. Yeah. So you have to just make it part of your, of your routine then is, is essentially what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. Very and good. Grayson, um, what were you at? Um, what weight were you at your, your heaviest? I know you don't mind sharing why I'm asking. <laughs> I was 355 to 360 pounds and a size 58 wow. pounds. And, 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 and what's and your let's, let's size of pants now? My size of pants now is size 36. Yeah. Let's look at a few um, pictures. So this was Grayson um, before. So you were pushing um, almost 400 pounds, Grayson? Yep. That right there was about 340, 350, somewhere in that range at that mm -hmm. point. And how, how tall are you? I'm curious. I think I feel six, like you're a tall person. Six flat. You're six feet. Okay. All right, we do have a caller. Let's see if this caller is calling about the procedure um, into the program. Good morning, caller, and welcome to um, Rundown with Health City. Uh, pleasant good morning, Sandra. How good morning. Grayson, hi. How are you? All right, and you, ma'am? This is Carmelie here. I would just like to show my little experience in there as well as a two-time biotric patient. Um, in 2010, you have to let a lot of people know, I was like 384 pounds. Mm. And I was borderline diabetic, um, high blood pressure, sleep acne. And I ended up going to Fort Lauderdale, actually, and did my first surgery, which was the sleeve. Um, in that process, like, like, like they say, it's a mindset. You have to have that mindset to know that you want to lose the weight, that you need to keep it off, and you have to do what you have to do to maintain that mm -hmm. regular diet with exercise, the type of food you eat, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. uh, over the years, I, I maintained it for a while, and then afterwards, I went right back to my regular eating. And then the problem occurred, the weight started to gain back. And I was kind of skeptic about it because now I was not um, sleeping properly. And at one point, I remember my husband waking me up from my sleep and said, you stop breathing. So that kind of got me concerned in a way. And by not just stop breathing, I started to have spells of dizziness and blacking out. And I wasn't sure what was causing it. And they did a, another study on me, you know, with the heart monitoring, the this, the that, they found out that I had a serious um, acne, sleep acne problem. When Health Buddha did my sleep acne, they, they acknowledged that in 45 minutes, I stopped breathing 20 times in 45 minutes. So that became a serious factor for me at that point. And then I decided, how do I lose this weight to keep myself from dying in my sleep? Um, and at that point is when I start to research again to find out if I could redo this surgery because, of course, I'd already put back on the, the weight, um, almost 300 pounds. I went back up to, because in, in 2010, 11, 12, I went down to from 384 to mm -hmm. 210, to 210. So I was proud of myself at 210, but I put it back on and went back up to three. 300 um, pounds. So within that, I then revamped and went back to the drawing board and we redid the surgery. This time I did not do a sleeve. I did the, the bypass. 
which is a little bit more crucial. But the, the point about it is, is maintaining the habit, you know, of eating. You have to maintain the habit of eating. But while I'm, I'm sorry you don't have a biatric doctor there that I can ask the question, I now find I'm a year out as I speak, but I find myself eating more late evenings than maintaining a regular diet during the course of the day. And I'm wondering if, if there's a problem. I'm not sure. So um, Shamari and Grayson, can you tell us a little bit about, and Carla, by the way, thank you so much for sharing your personal experience. Yes. Um, is there a little bit you can tell us then about the follow-up? Because it seems like based on what this caller is saying, uh, once again, uh, follow-up perhaps in terms of yourself, making sure that you stay on track. But uh, Shamari, we've met a nutritionist here in the program before, so Correct. we know that you have a full um, complement of staff that can assist with all of the elements that you will need to, on um, a regular Correct. basis, continue with. So you need to speak to the nutritionist. You perhaps mm -hmm. need to speak to um, physicians doing your, your annual and perhaps even more frequent checks, just to ensure that you're staying um, on target. And as soon as you see anything starting to creep back up, you need to kind of rein that back in because uh, it's, it's not unusual for me to see patients, and we see it here in Cayman all the time, who've actually had the procedure and then put, end up putting the weight right back on. Definitely. And, and that's why, from a probability perspective, um, we, we're trying to give persons the the right tools for for their body type as well as for um, the person they are and and mm -hmm. if we think that you will not keep to the regime for a healthy lifestyle afterwards um, many times we won't move forward with with the procedure um, that being said sandy you're, you're completely mm -hmm. correct whereby grayson can even um, tell you how our dietitian would have spoken to him and outlined the fact that when she, you know, went through his eating habits, he was eating too late at night. He was eating the wrong types of foods late at night when obviously you're going to sleep and you're not able to, to burn it as well. So there's a regiment that, that will be outlined and even simple, not simple, but, you know, tactics, game, a game plan such as prepackaging your meals. If you know you're on the run and time is going to pass and you won't have you know, enough time to eat regularly, then when you're very hungry, you eat a lot more than if you have healthy snacks throughout the day. And they'll tell you how many snacks you're supposed to have. They'll tell you the portion control. They'll tell you the types of foods you're supposed to have. And if you keep to that regimen, as well as that exercise of four times a week of 30 minutes, whether it's brisk walk and or a little jog, um, or if you have an elliptical, etc., you know, if you keep to that, then the probability is that that you will keep the, the weight off. And for a lot of the stories you, you may see in the community, um, the good news is you have Grayson here five years in, who is a testament to if you actually keep to the regime, um, this is what you'll look like five years. And, and I think Grayson, your pants size was 38, um, more or less when you, when you leveled off. And now through your gym and the such that you added to the regime, you're even down to a 36. Is that correct? Yep. 36 is what I just went into last week. And prior to that, for almost two years, it's been 38. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, 
it, like I said uh, to the caller, you know, basically what happens is is the first year or two, it is kind of hard because you're kind of so used to that whole life of eating late or eating certain foods and you're starting to get comfortable. You saw, you see in the progress, you're starting to feel comfortable and relaxed that you might be um, saying to yourself, oh, I'm good no matter what I do. I can't put it back on. You can put it back on, but you've got to try to stay in a form of, uh, controlling the time frame you're eating, how much you're eating, what you're eating. We love our rice. And right now, I'll admit it, I've been admitting it all week. I love my turtle meat. So no doctor, no nutrition is ever going to get me to give it up. But I found a way to eat around my turtle meat. So mm -hmm. I'll use it as I, you've been using it on shamari. You can shamari can have your one big plate of turtle meat in front of me, and I'll eat my little small portion. But mm -hmm. tomorrow when you and shamari is trying to figure out what to eat, I still have turtle meat for three days. So that big portion sits for me for three days. And my sister and them and the nutrition, them has showed me ways how to get around certain type of food that I would want to drain, especially avoiding oils. And that's because we love our food with fry oil, with oils and stuff. So these little things that you don't think can affect you after you've had the operation still kicks in and does cause that problem. And the portions, you'll notice, they start to increase because you're feeling comfortable. Oh, I can eat a little bit more. You're pushing your body. You're stretching your stomach. So when you're doing that, you're re-going back to where you're at. Uh -huh. I now make my stomach and my body tell me, when my limit is. So when it gets to that stage, that's my cutoff point. Doggy bag, time to come home. I uh -huh. can have lunch tomorrow. And, you know, as Samari said, I got in the first year and a half to two years practicing how to pack lunches, snacks, things like that. So if I'm by me doing so much driving, I'm able to eat on the road, but eat at the proper time and not come home at nine, 10 o'clock and be eating at that time when I should be more in the stage of burning off what I had prior. Right. So, I mean, really and truly, it comes down to you've been living an entire life a particular way and making those changes is, an, is not going to be easy, right? So we do have a caller who is joining us in the program. So let's go ahead and take this call. Good morning, caller, and welcome to the program. So we do have a caller. Oh, am I on? Yes, you're, you're live and direct. <laughs> Hi, Sandy. Hi, guys. Hi. It's King. Hey, King. How are you? Superstar. How are you doing, brother? <laughs> I'm doing good. That's exactly why I'm calling in, though, because Grayson, and it's funny because Grayson, you, you spoke to me the other night, actually. Um, but I have had the um, the procedure as well, as people have known. And um, I'm not gagged. Well, I won't get into it too much, but I'm doing well. So I've mm -hmm. gone from 504 pounds, my heaviest. Mm -hmm. I'm now um, currently at 377. Mm -hmm. So I'm still going down. But... Um, <laughs> It, it has how, been time. How long, how long has it been since you've done the procedure, King? Oh, uh, December. December. Okay. So early, early days yet? Yes. It's still early days. Yes, I'm just um, hiding away, doing doing the Lord's work. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> but it's a it's a big psychological um, hurdle that you have to get over, and in uh -huh. the for me. Personally, I don't even get hungry since the procedure. Uh -huh. I um, 
it's just those psychological urges like i'm fine going through with my mainly protein diet that sort of thing mm -hmm. um just uh trying to sip on water you know the things they, they they tell you you have to go through and you have to keep up avoiding carbs that sort of thing but um for me the my, my challenge with it i'm just sharing this um but is uh, living with someone who you know doesn't have the same restrictions when you smell what they're eating it's not that i'm hungry you know but mm -hmm. the smell of the little chicken fry you know whatever it brings back all these like mental urges even the nostalgia like years of thoughts of chickens mm -hmm. popping into my head smelling that right <laughs> <chicken brain. laughs> and i think that's what causes a lot of people to, yes. to break physically your body is like i'm cool but your brain is still saying hey i miss when we used to sit down and yeah, dig exactly. into that even your eyes your eyes still big I still beginning you got me now. I mean, we don't even got no gut. I don't got no gut. <laughs> my eyes still big. Because mm -hmm. I would be like, mm, but I want the two, I want the two pieces of bacon, the two pieces of bacon, knowing well I can only eat the one piece. Right. So that's where the <laughs> that's where the physical part come in with um the procedure helping. Yeah. So it's not a shortcut, it's not an easy way out, but it's a big major tool. But there's still so much mental work that you need done Absolutely. um to work yourself psychologically you need to fortify yourself yeah and you need support people um around to make sure you can in, um can, carry it all the way through and you um know, grayson because he's yes. been one of those people so thank you so much grayson like on the lowest day sometimes just pops up with a message and it's like no checking on you you know and and what he would say in those particular moments is exactly what I needed to hear. And I'm like, that. And then and it, it's, it's, uh, I just wanted to say that you're an inspiration because I remember when I was a size 36. <laughs> I remember that, Sandra. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now, King, let, let me talk about, <laughs> let me talk about, um, let me talk about food a little bit uh, with you because you mentioned something that's really important. My aunt always says this because everybody I think knows that I'm a foodie. I love food and I love good food. Um, but, you know, my aunt always, sometimes I'll be sitting there talking to her about food or whatever. And she says, oh, God, you're having food memories again is what she calls them, right? Because yeah. I always say, um, and not just in the Caribbean, but especially Caribbean people, we associate food with everything. You get married, you eat. You get a divorce, you eat. You die, you're going to be eating at <laughs> the wake. Um, Even if we just wait for a drive out. Like we celebrate, we're upset. Like everything has an emotional connection. Um, with food that's but even the holidays do, as well right, right Sandy? yeah you have specific foods for the holidays right yeah. yes king has been you know he's been over at my place and he knows what i throw down for Ooh, um yeah. you know a christmas so, so king event. king king rate it for me so sandy throws <laughs> down what's the rating between one and ten between one and ten yeah you know okay um <laughs> atmosphere be right food and seasoning be right sandy gets a nine Yes. Ah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, oh you know that she wins well, especially when she pull out them um the the the, the, the like muffin bread that you do. Oh, I don't know what yeah. you call it. The, the, pull, the, pull, the pull apart rolls, the mac oh, and my cheese. Mm, yeah. Mm, mm. mm. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. 
So, I mean, because we have that emotional um, connection to food and we have certain events even that are linked to food, like I can't imagine celebrating Christmas or Thanksgiving without the meals that go with them, right? That would be like, what? Mm -hmm. What are we celebrating for? Um, so it's part of our routines, but I think what we all have to be very, very conscious of is this bariatric surge, as King said, is one of the major tools that can be um use to kind of get you where you need to, but the, the ongoing um, adjustments to your thought processes and the relationship that you have with food is really, really important because it is a relationship. You know, mm -hmm. um, I, I fancy the only reason that I really love turned mangoes is because in my childhood, I just didn't get enough, you know, being overseas. I was like, I missed out on the guinnips and the turned mangoes and the plums and all this kind of stuff. So as an adult, I eat them when they're in season. Like there's literally no tomorrow. I had some last night. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. um, but, you know, it, 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 it takes time. It takes time and a lot, a lot, a lot, not just willpower alone. You really need, um, you really need some positive influence around you mm -hmm. because willpower, if it was just up to willpower alone, we wouldn't have any of these issues. Mm -hmm. We could have just looked into, no man, I call it in an oxtail today. Right. You know, <laughs> who says that? Even you put a plate there, now I still want it. Mm -hmm. But um, that's a lot of mental work that you really need done. And um, regarding the, the, the previous, caller mm. i was listening uh, i i can venture that that's where the struggle was because i understand it and, and i get the thoughts as well because it's all related mm -hmm. um like you said to, to the memory of it so our bodies might have physically changed but our minds still haven't and it's still kind of saying wait when even like in, i was an emotional eater so still i get moments where i'm triggered and mm. um <laughs> my friends listening they laugh but they know that the thing the thing to do would have been we jumped in the car, we run in Hurley's, we're gonna grab a bag of Cheetos and some Hagen Daz, mm. and we was <laughs> it's mm. like, let's go sit down and eat that. So my brain is still craving things like that, the comfort foods or whatever, but my body is absolutely fine. It's like, no, we don't need that. Right. But I have to have a conversation with myself, which is what I'm saying. Like, if that was your weakness in the first place, and, mm. and you're you're gonna trust yourself to try and fight that off alone again. And this is why I said you need a circle of influence around you, definitely, for mm -hmm. those weaker moments. Because um, it, it definitely is a struggle. It's a fight. And um, I'm still going. And I'm anyone listening that needs the encouragement as well, I, mm -hmm. I hope I hope you got some. Then get someone influential around you. Like I said, Grayson reaches out sometimes. That helps me a lot. Um, but anyway, let me get off the air before I start rambling. Shamari, I heard you. I'm still mad about your superstar comment. <laughs> <laughs> I need a signature when you come home. Here. I can be the first in line, King. First in line. No, 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 no. Don't put that on me. After you send Debbie to come charge me. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> much love, guys. Thank you. Thank All you right, so much. We appreciate the call. All right, folks, 9362626 is the telephone number. Um, King actually is joining us from the UK. And of course, um, you know, you can call via WhatsApp. Uh, he was saying, yeah, I want to call in, but I can't afford an international call right now. You don't have to call um, straight line. You can call via WhatsApp as well. And it's the same thing. We're able to take you um, into the show with pretty much the same quality. So um, Grayson, Emma's making a comment here about whether or not people are considering the um, downsides of this 
very serious surgery, and I think Shamari has already addressed this, that this isn't something that you jump into. This is something that with the right um, counseling and consultations with a variety of different professionals, you come to the conclusion that uh, you may need, but it's it's not an easy decision that you come to. So tell us a little bit, Grayson, about what you went through before you made the decision, who did you speak with, and what that process was like. Well, basically in Health City, I spoke with the nutrition. Um, I spoke with the doctor who proceeds with the um uh, the surgery, um, the psychiatrist we spoke to, and then we did a whole, um, I think it's a stress test. All of these things you have to go through. Um, it was almost like they were trying to find something by, they left everything, nothing uncovered. Literally was dealt with, with uh, it's hard to put in words, but I don't think there's not a needle or not a test that was not done to me to make sure that I was at par of before they even said, we accept you as a candidate. It was trying to find out why haven't I been losing. They all knew I was doing it. I even had managers who had competition with me to lose weight for their summer body so they could fit into their um, summer bathing suits. So we had a competition and I beat them by losing the weight. And in the fourth month, my weight just kept coming back on. I can't, I couldn't figure it out. And I think this is where some of the doctors who knew me well playing sports and stuff, they saw that I was struggling with these things and they could hear me breathing heavily. And that's when it started becoming an issue when they could even start to notice it and said, let's do a couple of tests, check you out and everything else. And that's what happened. Mm. And by doing so, like I said, speaking with the nutrition, I think I spent a month and a half with her going over changing my eating habits, time habits, doing all of this, explaining to her. I used to take pictures and send by WhatsApp. This is my portion food today. Is this okay for me to eat? This is, it got that, they were that, we have grown, gotten that close that I could talk to them and say, help me out, make sure I'm on the right track on this losing weight. Um, you know, like I said, I think it took me six months to almost a year before Health City decided to proceed with the operation. Mm -hmm. And and Sandy, just to mention that um, it isn't only the patient's choice, right? So obviously, you need to be a candidate based on the different statistics, um, looking at the comorbidities, you know, weighing the risk of of not doing surgery versus doing surgery, and all of the whether you have diabetes, hypertension, um, respiratory disorders. Like for instance, you would have heard um, mm -hmm. the the young lady who called in that said, you know, there was um, serious sleep apnea to the point where she was stopping breathing in the night and the such. Um, so there has to be a mix of these types of ailments that through regular means you're not able to lose the weight. And then once again, even with the psychological evaluation, even if you want it, but the physicians all have to agree that mm -hmm. this is the best thing for the patient. And if not, they won't actually do the surgery. So there've been many instances where people are like, yes, 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 I want the surgery. Mm -hmm. um, but they don't think that they're going to be able to keep up that healthy lifestyle based on whatever they found um, through the, the diagnosis and through the sessions. They'll say, no, you need to go back and you need to lose some more weight or we need to have um, more confidence that we're not going to do the surgery and then in a year or two years, you'll be back where you were because that doesn't help anybody to go through a procedure 
if we believe that you have a high probability of returning to the way you were previously. <clears throat> Just to mention, Sandy, um, you have the gastric sleeve, you have the gastric bypass. You mm -hmm. also have the balloon um, by which you're putting a balloon, expanding it so that it gives the facade that obviously your stomach is smaller. You train yourself to eat less and then you move the balloon months afterwards and then you should be on well on your way towards um, continually eating like that and you would have lost the weight that you needed to lose as well or you're on the way to losing that weight and in subsequent um, shows we'll bring on Dr. Sunil uh, who will talk about this overstitch procedure, which is endoscopically, they do suturing within, and we'll talk about all the advantages now with technology and mm -hmm. how we're able to offer this cutting edge type of bariatric weight loss procedure. Um, so once again, it just depends on the person and which option, if they're the right candidate, would be best for them. And Obviously, everything is discussed um, prior to, to moving down that road as as well. Um, Sandy, I don't know if you have one mm -hmm. or two videos. Yes, that absolutely. At some point, uh, we maybe can can play that so people can see a little bit more of the story as well. Sure. And uh, Jeff Apucci says, proud of you, my brother. You're an inspiration. Keep up the good work. So, folks, if you're just tuning into the program this morning, we're here with our Tuesday rundown segment with Health City. And today we're focusing on uh, the biatric procedure. And we have Grayson McLean, who's in the studio, sharing his personal experience with us. So let's watch this little video about Jason's uh, about Grayson's journey this morning. I think more where it affected me was with my daughter coming home some days crying because she was being harassed at school about my size. When it started to affect my daughter, I realized as well I won't be around for her if I didn't do something to better myself. This was me at 245 wearing a size 44 pants. This next picture was me at my biggest point, which is 355 pounds and wearing a size 54 to 55 pants. And this is me in between wearing a size 48 pants and weighing 275 pounds. It was hard sometimes when people walk up to me and would say, wow, you put on a lot of weight. I felt uh, really hurt and distraught about that. But by that time, I think I was too far gone and needed more assistance than just tablets and diets to get me going. And I had tried everything possible to lose weight, diets, tablets, exercising. I just couldn't keep it off. It just kept coming back on. I feel like I've just been given a second chance in life. I feel finally I'm going to have that chance to walk down the aisle with my daughter. I've started back my softball. I do a little of the boxing in the gym. My self-confidence is much more stronger. I feel more prouder. I was able to finally achieve to do ballet dancing with my daughter at her school, even though she got a good laugh out of that. Anyone who's thinking about doing this, I would honestly tell you to definitely look into it and definitely give it a try. It is gonna change your life in so many ways that you wouldn't even imagine. If you see me on the road, come feel free to ask me and I will tell you anything I can tell you about this.
All right, folks, and Grayson's not the only person that has had um, this procedure. So let's watch a video from Tyler as well, because, you know, I think um, a young lady just messaged and she said that she had the procedure back in 2017 and she's now getting ready to do some skin removal surgery. So I think that this topic is touching a lot of people who struggled with, um, you know, lifetime issues with their weight. So let's hear Tyler's story also. My name is Taylor Vaughn. And I had the gastric sleeve done at Health City um, over two years ago now. I actually don't know what my heaviest weight was. Uh, I have a scale that maxed out at 360 pounds and I would step on it and it would say error. And I kind of knew at that point, wow, okay, I need to do something about this. So when I was at my heaviest weight, you know, you have aches and pains everywhere. I would constantly get plantar fasciitis in my feet. My knees were hurting, my legs would hurt. Um, just my bones and joints would hurt. It was hard to get out of bed. You were always out of breath. You never felt comfortable. Thinking about going for a walk with my dog was out of the question. And that's when I reached out and I was lucky enough to get in contact with Health City and their team was amazing. I have lost from surgery a total of 160 pounds. I went from a size 26 jean to a size 10 um, and from a 3x top into this is a small. Um, life is fantastic. I am able to do things I never thought I'd be able to do. I wish I would have done it earlier in life. So Phoebe loves the fact that we, uh, we walk now. I got a special leash for her, so we go running, um, and she absolutely loves it. This past December, I ran my second half marathon and my first full marathon. I started running, I work out, I take pole fitness, I enjoy being at the gym. Everyone from the surgeon to the nurses to the dietitian, everyone was fantastic. And Health City, even through you know the year, two years that I've been doing it, I wouldn't go anywhere else. I am the most confident I've ever been and I just enjoy life. All right, so Taylor's journey there, folks, um, saw her maxing out a scale. My God, that's uh, that's quite a, quite something to imagine. Wow, it's amazing. So, and she looks fantastic. I was watching the video there. Um, it's important to pick up healthy habits. Uh, because again, that's the only way that you can make this transformation a lasting one. So Grayson, tell us a little bit about some of the healthy habits that you have now um, incorporated into your lifestyle journey. Um, honestly, it would be more of my size portions eating and my time frame of when I eat. I don't try to eat after nine in the night. I try to eat before that. If I if I do eat after nine, I'm going to get up early in the morning, go for a quick bike ride to help burn off what I ate that night. Um, so I am more conscious about worrying about these things that are happening. Um, like I say, I'm back into taking up as much sports and everything. I try to stay away from as much starch as possible. I'm living myself to, if I do, how much starch I'm going to have for the week. So if I know... I know my sister's cooking stew beef or she's cooking turtle meat. I know I have to 
get ready to do some extra activities because I'm going to eat those things. And limited rice, again, I can only take a spoonful of rice. You know, the big spoon, that is it. You can't give me more than that. But I try to just eat as much brown rice, actual brown rice, not the brown rice and beans. These little things make a big difference on what you eat. Um, you know, salads, sometimes I'll eat. Um, again, it all depends on my portions. That's the main thing is the side portion. So I try to eat and have what I want, but I limit my side, my portions of what I'm eating and watching what I'm eating. So it's become honestly like second nature that I don't think about it. I can walk up and look at a menu and know exactly what I'm going to eat and know that I'm not going to finish it, but I have lunch. I have dinner tonight off of that. So that's how I look at it. Uh, if I get that, I'll have dinner for tonight. So... Mm -hmm. But uh, it, it becomes natural. It becomes easier as time goes along. And as I told you from the beginning, this whole procedure is a mind-strong game. You've got to be willing to put in the work. It is a second chance. It is, it's another kickstart to life because your metabolism slows down. And this procedure will help you. But you also got to do the work. The doctors are going to do theirs, but the patient has to do their job as well. And to do so, this is where Shamari was talking about where the psychology comes in, they sit and they talk and they explain and they drill it into your head as they did with me, what to expect. Are you sure your body can handle this? The nutrition then turns around and taps, tests you into trying just liquids because after your operation, you can only drink liquids for a certain period. So I had to do a liquid diet for two mm -hmm. weeks and that wasn't fun. <laughs> of course, uh, you know, I wanted my meat and my food. So as soon as I was off that, I went right away and did a, what do you call it? Grayson hide behind the bush cheat day because when you got a support group like in Health City and at home, you got to hide from them. So when you got your co-workers telling you, uh-uh, you can't drink that. Uh-uh, you can't eat that. You kind of got to hide under the desk and eat these things and not make them see you. So uh, it was a great thing. And that's the main thing. If you got a great support group behind you, family and friends, this becomes easier. And that's the main thing why I try to encourage anybody um, that I know has done it. I try to talk with them, keep checking up on them, you know, making sure if I see where they they need help or they have any questions, they can go straight to Health City. But, um, you know, if it's done the procedure, I can help them along the way. I will do it no matter what. I don't care what time, just send a message and I will talk with them and meet with them. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, thank you for that. Um, and I, I'm glad that you have explained that, um, you know, the habits, uh, as you start to incorporate them into your daily life, become easier. You know, making the right decisions about eating and portion control uh, does become easier as you go through this journey. So um, you had your procedure in November of 2017. And I think that that's important for people to know that they have to just be very, very consistent but trying to make as, as many um, good and positive choices as they can, not an easy journey. And the, also the other thing that you mentioned is not depriving yourself of the things that you enjoy. So you mentioned having a cheat day and you also mentioned that, yes, you know, you might have a little bit of something uh, that you've enjoyed over the years, but portion control seems to be extremely critical. Now, one of the reasons that portion control is obviously critical is that after you've had a bariatric procedure, and again, probably depending on which one, but 
all of them, your, your stomach can only take um, so much. Uh, and, you know, you can't sit down and, and try to force feed yourself into having a full plate of your favorite oxtail dinner and, and you know, curry chicken on the side. And, and you're like, well, I have a little piece of turtle while I'm at it. So you really have to pick and choose and prioritize the things that you're having in terms of sizes, quantities, but also the quality of what you're choosing to eat as well. Yeah, that definitely plays in and you know uh sodas is another thing that um i used to drink uh, at least in a day i would say a 12 pack of dr pepper a day wow. um now if i take and buy a dr pepper that dr mm -hmm. pepper can last me almost uh a week or half a week because i gotta drink it in sips i can't drink it all one because of the acid in there mm -hmm. so this does limit you from a lot of other things in in a good way like I could have eaten a whole pepperoni supreme pizza by myself and I'm happy. Now, if I get through a slice to two slices, I'm amazed if I can make it to the second slice. Uh -huh. If I push it and I have tested myself and that's because I want to see where my limit is. I pushed it. And when I pushed it to three slices, I'm singing New York, New York over the toilet. Uh -huh. So you know your limits of certain things. Your body is there to tell you you can't eat this much anymore you need to respect it and that's the main thing and that's what i've learned to do is unmake my body tell me when i've had enough um you know just a couple of weeks ago i had my first brunch since my operation and i was able to manage going through the brunch and it was great to eat even though i had to get up a few times do a little walk and make a little space and let the food digest i was able to enjoy even though it was small portions so what i ate might have been in two plates in my pre to my first two plates out of four or six at a brunch it was only two basically adds up to almost two plates what i ate at the brunch this time and but it was nice to do it because i treated myself to and test myself again one more time so people need to understand it it can work uh -huh. you have to put in the work you have to be mind strong and it is not an easy route. This is not a quick fix solution. I think Shamari made that very clear. This is not a quick fix solution. This is, if you're into this about for looks, you're into it for the wrong reason. You're into this for help, there you go. And like I said, if you see me, feel free to call me, text me, or come and check me. I will sit and talk with you if you need to find out things or what to do. I'm willing no matter when. And like I said, all I got to do is call Shamari, Shamari. I've got two patients coming in to see right away. Can you hook him up? And trust me, he hesitates not to get him in there to say, let's get you checked out, make sure you're, and see where you're going from there. Uh -huh. Very good. All right. So let's read a few comments. Um, Soka says, eat to live, don't live to eat. Grayson is very inspiring. Um, Sonia, good morning. She says, I'm so proud of you guys keeping up being healthy and fit. I'm a fitness and gym freak as well. So very nice. Jade says, you fat E is not a greeting. <laughs> you put on weight is not a greeting. So talking about um, sometimes how people approach us. And she goes on to say, people haven't seen you in a while. And the first thing that they do is address your weight. Like, we don't know what people are going through, whether fat or slim. Leave people weight alone. Uh, body shaming isn't cute. And I must say that as Caribbean people, this is something that we have to deal with. I feel like other um, 
cultures are a little bit more sensitive to it, perhaps. But yes, it is something that uh, care people they'll walk up to you and be like, mm, "Are you going with all that weight?" Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. Um, late, lately, I've been getting the opposite comments. Oh, you look like you lost a few pounds. I'm like, really? <laughs> tell everybody it was election it was election diet running after the news stories um miss donna good morning uh, miss donna says blessed morning to all some people are real rude and speaking to others about their size putting uh, people down and not lifting them up lovely topic so she's enjoying um the topic today uh miss romelia says is this healthy are you in meds for the rest of your life and what does some people why do some people look like they're stretched out after the surgery so let's talk about um you know some of the variances of what people can experience well i have not been on any meds since my operation i haven't been on any prior to it uh, beside the tablets i was taking trying to lose weight so I've been blessed for some reason. My skin has retracted all excess, uh, except for the excess fat of where I've lost in the stomach, my arms, my legs, but that has also tightened in form since my exercising routines and stuff. This is starting to tighten. The only um, issue, as you heard from one of the call or uh, messages early on from the lady, she's removing her excess. And that's usually the only piece that comes for most people who has the operation level it will be that excess fat mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or skin, sorry, excess yeah. skin. Yeah. yeah. So in fact, Ms. Romilia, for most people, they end up um, coming off of medication. So um, it'd be very, very clear about it. There are people who have had the surgery and it has been life-saving to get that excess weight off. So carrying around the excess weight, you said, is it healthy? Uh, most people find carrying on the excess carrying around the excess weight carries more risk, more health risk than actually having the procedure. So this is where it's essential for you to speak to um, the professional because, you know, you're, like I said, you're increased uh, risk for stroke, heart attack, and other things. And a lot of people who were diabetic are actually able to reverse their diabetes by having this procedure done. So it can be um, life-saving. Obviously, um, any surgery comes with risk. And there are certain things that this particular surgery um, does to your body that are not always pleasant. So you know, again, you have to know your limits. You can't uh, overindulge in certain foods. I think, you know, even certain oily food and so forth does have a negative impact on your gastric system, on your stomach. So you've got to know what your limitations are uh, with the procedure. And I'm sure, Shamari, you can talk about the fact that that's part of the consultation process, that the physicians have to be very, very honest about Correct. what you experience when you have this procedure done. Definitely, definitely. Um, and that's why you also have to meet the criteria in regards to BMI, in regards to, um, you know, for persons who are chronically obese, as they would state. And when you look at those comorbidities, whether it's diabetes, high blood pressure and the such, all of that's taken into account to weigh the risk to say, you know what, this would help you. Um, if you're able to keep up with a healthy lifestyle in order to ensure a healthier you into the future. And, and as you mentioned, Sandy, a lot of times it will be life-saving or mm -hmm. help to extend the quality of your life. And as Grayson mentioned, he was pre-diabetic. He was on the borderline in regards to other issues and even cholesterol was really high. And through going by going through this process, he now has reduced all those risk factors. He doesn't have to go on medication. He's able to get on his bike. He's able to do softball. And 
by still going through his healthy eating, he's going to be around, um, knock on wood, a lot longer for mm-hmm. his daughter, who obviously that is that is the jewel of his eye and making sure that he's here for her moving forward was what was important to Grayson and why he went through this, this change. And a lot of times, um, Sandy, when we talk to other men about getting their checkups and as such, mm-hmm. you know, for us, you know, a lot of times we don't care, but we're like, you have a wife, you have daughters or sons, you have a mother or father that you need to be around to help to support in one way or another. And that's why you check, because if you understand your numbers, if you understand your risks in regards to health, you can do something now to make sure you're around longer for whomever it is that's that's in your life. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Uh, Jeanette wants to know if this is something that's covered by insurance. So does insurance typically cover this procedure? So it, it will just depend on mm-hmm. your risk profile and we insurance. That, that you actually have. Um, what we're seeing, for instance, in the U.S. Um, with self-insured companies in that, and even I'll give an example, manufacturing companies that still have employees for a lifetime, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when they look at the risk profile of somebody who is actually chronically obese and they realize that they're going to be paying a lot more on the back end 10 years from now, if they don't help the employee control their mm-hmm. health now. Mm-hmm. So they actually, you know, obviously you have to go through all of the procedure as well, just to make sure that they will keep to the regiment or that they have a high probability of keeping to the regiment and they will pay for their employees to go through this so that they're looking 10, 15 years from now, they're saving on the back end. Right. Um, so it just depends at this point in time, which insurance company you have, Mm-hmm. But if you do have, um, you know, the ailments such as comorbidities and you have weight that's a lot higher, um, you can work to see which procedure you can get that would be covered by insurance. But if not, mm-hmm. and you still want to go through it, um, Health City has different options that we'd be able to help you with from a self-pay perspective as well. Right. So in the, in the words of a skinny person, Vanessa says uh, they eat too much. <laughs> That's everyone's, uh, every skinny person's response is someone who's carrying excess weight. You eat too much. Um, uh, it, it's much more complex than that, uh, Grayson, would you say? Yeah, it's definitely more complex than that. It isn't that they eat too much, it's what they eat and what time they eat. That is the major issue of it all. We don't realize it as, because you be working and you're not realizing, hey, I haven't eaten yet, it's nine o'clock, let me grab something to eat now. You eat and then an hour later you're jumping in bed, shower, gone to bed, and next thing you know, you're sleeping, your metabolism isn't working that as fast as it should. So you're sitting there, you're waking up in the morning, you're eating again, right there, your breakfast. So you're adding on to what you have that your your metabolism hasn't burned off. And that's where the weight starts creeping up on you. And these are things I am speaking from experience of learning from my uh, nutrition (laughs) who taught me a lot. And these things kind of, when you think about listening to them and hearing what they're saying makes it easier when you think about, oh, you know, that little bag of Cheetos now hurt me tonight. I can uh-huh. work that off. But you sure you can work that off tonight? Because you're going to bed. You're not working that off tonight. Uh-huh. And tomorrow morning, it's right there, and you tell me how it feels. So, right. like I said, it does make a big difference. So, it isn't so much of, I would never say tell big, because my family is big. We're solid big. And um, 
it's not about the bigness from eating too much because okay. I got sisters who barely eat and when they do eat, and that's another issue for those who are trying to lose weight that mm -hmm. I will quickly drop is that when people stand up and say, I'm going to go on a diet, I'm going to do this, mm -hmm. they got to be careful. It's best to speak to nutrition. Mm -hmm. Let them explain to you about your diet because what you don't realize is that you're starving your body of certain things. And when mm -hmm. you finally give your body, it automatically takes it and store it for the fat that that body needed to burn. So you got to be careful. These are little things that hogs up that helps put on that extra weight onto you that you, we wouldn't even think about in our daily life routine. I'm on a diet. I'm having a salad today. Having a salad tomorrow. Okay, so where is the fat in that for your body to burn? Because your body needs some fat to burn. Uh -huh. There's none. You're just eating salad. Eating salad, you're not giving it any fat. And when you finally decide to have, you know what? Today I feel like a little um, rotisserie chicken. <laughs> that rotisserie chicken just put another 15 pounds on your body mm -hmm. because your body's holding it as the fat that it didn't get to burn and holding it to burn off when it needs it. Yeah. So. And and I've seen this, you know, there's a lot of people who um, swear by, I mean, this is verging into the nutrition side a little bit, but a lot of people who swear by these uh, fasting diets. And again, sustainability seems to be the critical question because I find that a lot of people can't sustain it because it is too um, restrictive. You know, I've seen people drop down to literally a caloric intake of 800 to 1,000 calories a day, which, as you know, is extremely unhealthy. I mean, your body needs way more than that for just its brain function. And I can't believe that people, you know, they, they do these extreme diets and, um, you know, they think about a procedure like this and they think that this is extreme, but there's a lot of people who are yo-yo dieting, which is so much more dangerous for you folks uh, than anything else. Sometimes it's better just to keep on a few extra pounds as opposed to the yo-yo dieting is what the research has shown. But Emma, again, saying that, you need, you know, you need this whole team of doctors, nutritionists, um, you know, psychological appointments. How time consuming is this prior to the surgery? Can you put can you place a time on, on a life altering um, change that could save your life? I mean, I don't know. We find time for everything else. Some of y'all sit down at bars for two, three hours a week drinking. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, you find time for what's important to you, right? So did you That's find it. it to be time consuming, um, Grayson? No, I honestly, I couldn't even tell you in the beginning it was time consuming because I just... I listening to what I knew I had to face after the operation, I wasn't going to have my nutrition and my doctor around. Um, I do work at Health City, so they're going to see me when I'm there. And then, like I told you before, I have a support mm -hmm. team, which is they were there beside me, checking on me, making sure, guide me that I didn't slip or have any slide backs. You know, I have those co-workers. And then my sister here, she started to monitor me, helping me in the first couple months by cooking the food the way it's steamed vegetables, and things that I might not have eaten before that I hated that I knew I needed to eat now. And but in the first six months, she was doing my liquid diets for me, helping me blend them, getting it prepared, teaching me how to do the pack and go, carry extra juices and stuff like that. Uh -huh. So, you know, like I said, it is it became it was more concerning. In the uh -huh. beginning, not time consuming, concerning just to make sure you were doing it right. You can't drink cold water. You got to drink warm water. You can't drink. You can't eat solids. You got to. So it was more concerning of just following the guidelines you've been told you were going to go through uh -huh. after the operation. And as time went along for me, it just became like, okay, 
my daily activities. Just like I said, all right, I'm cooking up dinner today for Sunday, but I'm cooking food for the next couple of days or seasoning up food. So I know what to come home each day. I can easily cook. Here you go. You guys have this food to eat. I have my food to carry to work and everything else. So it wow. just it just became a daily routine for me. And it's honestly, over the time, I will tell anyone it becomes easy. All right. Chantel says, um, sorry, just a few comments here. Chantel says, eat plants and you won't need surgery. Plant-based eating will reverse all diseases um, without surgery. Surgery has a lot of risk. It's funny that she says that because I was actually just thinking of a few people that I know that um, don't eat any, any form of meat. They're vegetarians and they're still carrying around excess weight. So it's not quite as simple as that. You you can take a plant and make it extremely unhealthy, just like you can take a fish that you think all fish is unhealthy. And it depends on how you prepare the food, folks. So these are the things that as we um, continue in this journey and as we have the nutritionist back and we talk about, you know, some healthier options, um, you know, you've got to make some better choices. Uh, Sabrina says that we've all been conditioned from early to eat everything off of a plate. Caribbean people pile up the food on the plate and force kids from early to eat to overeat. I always serve my kids smaller portions and says, if you fill, uh, if you fill, leave it for later, even when we go to the restaurant. Uh, Cece says, I pray that um, as big people, I pray that big people gain the confidence they need to love themselves as they are because you have people that cries themselves to sleep because of low self-esteem. People call them fat. But me, on the other hand, I own this extra layers of warmth and shape. Um, so again, CC, it's, it's fine to have self-esteem and to be happy, uh, with, if you're carrying excess weight and it's not really about warmth and shape and owning it, it's about your health. Because, uh, even for me, you know, people look at me and they don't think that I'm carrying on extra weight. I'm like 50 pounds overweight. And the worst kind if that is that visceral fat, which you can't see when you look at people. So even some people who look slim, and this is what amazes me about people who look slim, they have no clue what sort of visceral fat they're walking around with. And that's the fat, folks, that is abdominal in your abdominal region on the interior and that surrounds your actual organs. And that is the most dangerous kind of fat. So whether you think you're slim or skinny or fat or whatever, um, you need to make sure that you're understanding the um, health risk that are associated with certain things. Yes. And um, and Sandy, the, the good news is um, if anybody needs help, even if it's from a dietitian, nutritionist perspective, and I'm always saying dietitian because dietitian is the one that you get the degree for um, and needs to be licensed nutritionist. Um, you don't actually need the degree. So even though to mm -hmm. me, they're nutritionists, yes, they teach nutrition, but our, our licensed dietitians, mm -hmm. um, they can actually you know, go through, regardless if you're going to need surgery or not, a lot of times you don't, but they can go through healthy portion sizes, give you alternatives in regards to how to prepare and or alternatives in, in regards to what to eat to get you to be the healthiest you. So if anybody needs any help from a healthy lifestyle perspective, whether or not it eventually leads to surgery isn't the question. Um, just definitely contact us and, and you know, info at healthcity.ky or 640-4040 and just outline what your issue is and, and we will do our utmost best to help you in, in that area. 
All right, folks, another wonderful segment here on Rundown Tuesday with Health City. We're talking about the uh, bariatric procedure. And again, there's different types of, um, you know, surgeries that you can consult with their team with to see what would best suit you if it's an option for you. And there's an entire, um, you know, pre-consultation process that you have to go through to see if you actually qualify for this procedure. But as usual, you can reach out to the expert there, the experts there at Health City, and they will provide you with uh, more information, contact them at 640-4040 or info at healthcity.ky. So uh, if you're interested in learning more about this procedure, Grayson, of course, is always happy to talk to people one-on-one about what his personal experience has been. We heard um, from Taylor also sharing what her experience has been. And uh, congratulations, Grayson, and uh, continued good luck on your journey. Thank you very much. All right, guys, have a wonderful day. Shamari, have a good one. Thank you, Sandy. All right, good folks. So that's a wrap with Health City. For over seven years, Health City Cayman Islands has provided life-changing and life-saving medical care for the people of the Cayman Islands at our hospital in East End. During this time, we have become an integral part of the community. And now, focused on connectivity and collaboration, our vision is to make an even greater impact on the quality of healthcare for the people of our islands. In summer 2022, we will open a 70,000 square foot state-of-the-art hospital built on three acres of land at the southern end of Kamana Bay, bringing much needed specialized medical services closer to where people live, work, and play. Kamana Bay, located at the heart of Seven Mile Beach, is home to schools, businesses, shops, restaurants, and entertainment. And now, Health City Kamana Bay, a $100 million world-class hospital. Health City Kamana Bay will include an advanced cancer care unit, offering bone marrow transplantation and the latest cancer treatment technology. It will contain a modern neonatal intensive care unit, emergency and critical care, purpose-designed operating rooms for surgical specialties, such as cardiology, neurology, and orthopedics, and robotic operating systems. A master plan for improved health care for the people of the Cayman Islands. Ready to meet the needs of our patients here and now, we have already established a footprint in Kamana Bay with the opening of our clinic. Offering short wait times, extended opening hours, including evenings and weekends, and the ability to see our world-class doctors closer to where our patients live and work. The clinic has bright, comfortable waiting areas and treatment rooms, friendly staff, expert care, lab services and diagnostics. Reflecting our operating philosophy of patient-centered care, Convenient access to our specialist doctors allows our patients to focus on getting better rather than getting to appointments. With our unwavering commitment to our community and the thousands of patients who trust us to care for them, we look forward to building healthier communities in a place where life unfolds, blossoms, and thrives. Welcome to Health City, Kamana Bay.
Mike los saluda DJ Yoyo The Energy y estás escuchando The Cold Heart Truth con la voz del pueblo Sandra Hill todas las mañanas 7 y 30 AM Only on Bobo y 9.1 FM Mga kabayan nakatutok po kayo sa Cold Heart Truth hatid ni Sandy Hill ang nangungunang talk show sa Cayman ang Voces ng Masa say we know that your time is a precious resource and want to help you spend it wisely avoid the wait and request your prescription refills through our website whatsapp or by calling the pharmacy use our delivery service if you are vulnerable elderly or a civil servant or pick them up the next day your secure health records are at your fingertips with our my hsa patient portal and healthy life app our nine locations throughout all three islands make receiving quality care Simple and convenient, because your time matters to us. All right, folks, welcome back to the program. We've got a few comments that have come in via WhatsApp. This person says, good morning. A very narrow-minded comment from the self-proclaimed skinny person. Obesity is a disease, and your neuro... um, Hormonal, metabolistic, uh, endocrine, and genetic disease. So, yes. Uh, good morning, caller, and welcome to the program. Hi, it's, it's Ollie. Um, oh, good. You're calling a little bit early. We were actually gonna, <laughs> we were actually going to do a little um, a little competition here to see if people could guess who were special guests would have been this morning, but that's okay. Um, we can we can save that until later. Um, so, folks, we do have on the phone now joining us um, Ollie, who has. Really, I mean, I'm just in awe of what this young man has been able to accomplish. And we're going to find out a little bit more about uh, Ollie Rush and what he's done. You know, an amazing feat. So, Ollie, first of all, good morning. And how are you feeling? Good morning. Yes, I'm feeling all right, to be honest. I'm recovering well. Um, I've been a bit sore and stuff over the last couple of days, you can imagine. But, yeah, feeling really good, really positive and just really appreciating how much um, people are sort of listening. And, and it just seems that we... We might be able to get some changes brought in here as well with the plastic. So really, really positive. Yeah. So let, let's talk about um, what your project was and what you did. So, of course, this is an, an initiative um, with Plastic Free Cayman. Um, Ollie, um, why did you do it? I mean, you were sitting back thinking about the environment and you thought, let me do something that's going to bring a lot of attention to our ocean. Exactly. Yeah. It was. It, I was A couple of years ago, I was thinking, how can I get to a, a larger audience how can we because i think that's the key is to mm-hmm. actually be able to talk to people and then then you can sort of um you can hopefully implement some changes so a few years ago i started doing some big swims i've, I've always been a swimmer i was a competitive swimmer when i was younger um, and the last couple of years i've been building up my swims they've been getting bigger and bigger um, and i had a friend over here in cayman and um i messaged her jen wardman she's amazing um and she was friends with Claire at Plastic Free Cayman. And I checked out the social medias, could see how bad the plastic pollution problem was here. And mm. the, the swim was about the same size as the swim I did last year. So I thought, very naively, um, let's give it a go. And <laughs> we managed it. We got over here and, and built a team and the rest sort of came together. So, mm-hmm. Wow. And so it, 65 miles. 
Yeah, it was, um, I'm not entirely sure in miles, it was 95 kilometres, just over 95 kilometres, so around about 65 miles, I have to do the conversion. Um, it was a massive, massive swim. To be honest, I say I used the word naive a minute ago. I think if I'd have realised how... Right. All right. Um, thank you so much for that. So again, folks, this is Ollie Rush. He has uh, swam 65 miles around the Cayman Islands in some 37 hours. Uh, just an amazing feat again to highlight, um, you know, just the um, sort of precarious and sensitive situation that our environment and particularly our oceans are in. And so uh, this was to highlight this very, very important issue as part of Project um, Plastic Free Cayman. So Oli said that I wanted the ocean to swallow me up so I didn't quit. My goodness. Um, that's 37 hours straight swimming. That's not a, I'm going to jump in a canoe and take a break. Yeah, it was. It did get to that point. I thought, to be honest, there was going to be that, you know, the fear of swimming at night. Obviously, I'm well, I'm not obviously. Some of your listeners wouldn't know. I'm from the UK. Um, mm -hmm. We don't have um, sharks. The, the beautiful, beautiful sharks that you have over here. We have very small sharks. None of them are necessarily a threat. Not that over here they are. They seem to be very timid. Um, but that was always a concern, obviously at night. Um, and I thought I was going to be scared, but I, to, I'll be completely honest. Um, you know, people have said that after this, oh, you're some sort of superhuman, but there's none of that at all. It's literally just the fact that I've got this motivation to make a difference and to and to do something. I absolutely love the ocean. When I get in the ocean and start swimming, it just feels like all my anxieties, everything else, just sort of dissolves and melts away. So it's really important to protect the oceans and the, and the wonderful creatures in there. And unfortunately, with single-use plastics um, get, getting into the ocean, they're causing untold damage. So it was always always that motivation coming back to me and keeping me going. But at times I did. I wished, I wished the ocean would swallow me up. That sounds extreme, but I was going through some – I was in some dark places at times. It, 37 hours um, is a, was twice and some the, the swim that I'd done before. So it was a massive, massive, massive challenge. I can't explain, sort of get that across enough, but it was just the motivation coming back to me. Each time I wanted to stop, I'd remember all those smiling kids' faces. We've done a lot of school visits when I've been here. Mm. Um, and that just inspired me to really keep going. Um, so there was no chance I was going to stop. It was more, if something forced me at times, I kind of almost wanted it because I was in that much pain. But I'm so, so pleased that we managed to get to the end. Mm -hmm. um, we've raised an incredible amount of money and that's still coming in. So I can't thank people enough. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, now tell us a little bit, um, Oli, about what you did to prepare for this. Cause obviously um, you mentioned that you're still recovering, you know, you were in the hospital for a bit of time afterwards so that you could be monitored to make sure that you were um, fine. Obviously you're in really good physical shape to begin with. So this isn't something that you'd recommend someone just jump up one day and say, Oh yes, I think I'll swim around the Island. Um, but give us an idea of what training went into actually preparing you to be able to undertake this feat as well. Yeah, so I guess the last couple of years I've kind of been building up to this from the other swims. But um, certainly within the six months leading up to this swim, I was swimming up to sort of 10 hours in a pool, which actually is, although it's good physical training, it's also really good mental training because it's just getting over that boredom and it's getting your mind into a place where you're able to just almost switch off and just keep swimming. 
so I was swimming up to sort of 70 kilometers a week um, back home and and then obviously that continued when I was over here I've been very strict with what I've been eating I've been making sure I'm staying as healthy as possible uh-huh. um, one of the things one of the real challenges when we got here is I did a, a 10-hour training swim um, on Seven Mile Beach and I actually picked up a slight shoulder injury so I was supposed to be doing a, a, a carrying on my training program when I was here. That kind of had to go out the window. So I think that was one of the reasons why it made it so difficult on the day because I've missed out on about two weeks of the tapering phase, which is where you reduce the amount of swimming that you're doing gradually ready so that you're nice and fresh, but you're still, your body's still used to the swimming. So it's been a, the whole thing's been a, a huge, huge challenge, a massive learning curve. Whether I do anything as big as this, I'm not sure. We are looking at other swims because um, uh-huh. of the, the success of this. I want to try and keep that going if we can. So, But, yeah, the training is a huge thing. I certainly wouldn't recommend anyone just jumps in and gives it a go. But there are some incredible swimmers here. So I'm in- excited to see if anyone, you know, in the future does have a go at this, which I'm sure they will. Uh-huh. When these when these big swims seem to happen, um, people think, hang on, this is possible. It's not impossible. Um, so I'm excited to see if it happens again. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Is this the first time that someone has, has done this? Um, have you broken any records? Yeah, so it's not been done before. The first person mm-hmm. to swim all the way around Grand Cayman. Amazing. Uh, it will be a world record. We're just sending the details and things away at the moment, uh, providing they're happy with all the evidence we send off. Uh, there's a few rules that you have to adhere to, which we did all the way around. You're not mm-hmm. allowed to touch any boats. Um, there's certain equipment, certain equipment you can't wear um, mm-hmm. and use. Uh, so we stuck to all the rules. That's all being sent away at the moment. So um, that's really good. And also it's, uh, it, it will hopefully give me enough um, sort of credibility, if you like, to be able to take on some other challenges and, and, and be able to get sponsorship again. So mm-hmm. Now, when you were in the water, did you have, I'm, I'm assuming you had boats actually follow you um, during the course of, of the journey just to make sure that you were indeed safe? Yeah, absolutely. So we had um, we had some we had two large catamarans, John and Mainstay, sailing, um, and another another large catamaran, Song of the Sea. Um, and also we had uh, the Coast Guard followed us a lot lot of the way around as well. So um, we were really well equipped. Um, we had kayakers that were coming out bringing me feeds as well, um, and they were next to me the whole time guiding me through some of the treacherous sections as well, so the reefs and stuff. So I didn't have to look forward the whole time. I was literally just following the kayak that was next to me, which had all the safety equipment on, all my feeds um, mm-hmm. and everything else. So we had a huge, huge army of volunteers. And that's, for me, another thing that really just sort of melts my heart, to be honest, is how all these people came together, um, gave up their time, not for money or anything like that, just because they believe in the cause. So it's, it's, it's great to see. It just shows that together, if we work together, we really can achieve these massive, massive challenges. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. So folks, again, um, Oli Rush is joining us on the line, 65 mile swim around the Cayman Islands in 37 hours. I can't even imagine not sleeping for 37 hours, much less sleeping or, or doing something um, as intense as that. But he did this amazing feat, again, um, to support the um, the Project Planet initiatives. It was called hashtag the Grand Swim for Plastic Free Cayman. And if you don't know about Plastic Free Cayman, folks, go ahead and like their Facebook Facebook page, follow them on social media. Uh, they're really all about educating and bringing awareness and action to help reduce the amount of plastic pollution in the Cayman Islands and around the region as well. So we have a video here of, uh, it looks like you actually going into the water at night. You started your swim at night? Yeah, so it's really early in the morning. We set off at oh, five right. o'clock from West Bay. 
um, and headed clockwise. So the idea was that we, if we set off nice and early, um, we would get to the east end with a little bit of light left so that Steve from Ocean Frontiers could uh, guide us through um, the cut here at east end, um, which was considered to be the most dangerous section of the swim. Um, so, yeah, we set off super early in the morning. Uh, all the volunteers had to get out of bed very, very early on the Monday. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and it was just incredible. Beautiful. And did you have any, um, I'm just curious, did you see anything along the way that was uh, super interesting in terms of like, you know, the sea life or anything that really stood out for you that you went, oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the whole time I'm swimming over here, I'm just in awe because it's just beautiful. I mean, there's turtles, stingrays. I saw a lovely little um, nurse shark, I think it was. It was quite deep, so I'm not entirely sure. loads of different fish so the whole time i'm swimming here it's like i'm on a safari uh-huh. um but unfortunately i wasn't able to enjoy it the whole way around because i was obviously incredibly tired and in some pain uh, with some other bits and pieces sunburn and things towards the end as well but uh-huh. it's, yeah, it's just an absolute privilege to be able to swim around here to be able to do it around the whole island was incredible uh-huh. but towards the end i was almost almost asleep whilst i was swimming i had one eye open um my tongue was very swollen due to the salt wow. exposure so i was struggling to get um water and stuff in towards the end which is why we had to go into hospital just to get rehydrated at the end so uh-huh. um, yeah it was it's a beautiful beautiful island and that brings me back to why i'm doing it you know it's just to try and protect these innocent incredible creatures that live in the oceans and the, unfortunately the plastics are really not doing them any good so it's just bringing that message home uh-huh. wonderful so Chantal says wow that's an amazing that's amazing congratulations Ahsoka says it's uh, disheartening to know uh, how many people think environmental issues are not of utmost importance. Kudos to anyone who tries to bring awareness. So absolutely, again, folks, we've been speaking briefly with Oli Rush. Um, of course, we're going to let him continue to to rest. How long were you in the hospital for, Oli? Uh, just overnight. Um, uh-huh. So it, there was a few issues. I mean, my shoulders, I think when I stopped swimming, my shoulders were almost in shock. So they went into, I was in quite a bit of pain with my shoulders. Um, and yeah, the main thing was just, um, was just dehydration, to be honest, because I was struggling in assault as well. I think it takes a lot of, takes a lot of moisture and, um, electrolytes and things. So it takes stuff from your body. So, uh-huh. uh, it was important to get the the, like the the care was incredible at the hospital. I want to mention Crystal. She's been amazing. I don't know if any of you got listeners know Crystal, but she really, really looked after me uh, and so many other people. I wish I could name everyone that would be here all day. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you so much. Uh, we don't want to take too much of your time, but we certainly appreciate you um, coming in the program this morning and speaking with us ever so briefly. Um, Emma also says, what an awesome act. Congratulations so selfless and there will be a documentary that's actually going to be made um, about this journey so we look forward to hearing more about that and make sure that you share the details once that's available awesome i will do and just quickly if it's okay Mm -hmm. to mention we're doing a beach clean on spots bay on the east end i hope to pronounce that right if we if we can uh, share that with your listeners that would be amazing yes join on the 29th Absolutely. Absolutely. So folks, um, again, I want to encourage everyone to, um, you know, there's lots of wonderful organizations on island doing lots of great things, but Plastic Free Cayman is really committed to um, trying to make our environment, especially your oceans here in the Cayman Islands and around the region, uh, plastic free. I think this is super, super important. Uh, Plastics just wreak havoc on the environment as a whole. So um, check them out as an organization. They have a lot of events planned throughout the year and they do have... um, Uh, as he just mentioned, you know, another 
Clean Up event that's coming up. So check out their social media pages. They're going to have all of the details listed there for you. And I'm sure that they'll send us some stuff that we can post and share on our social media pages as well. Awesome. Thank you so, so much. Thank you, Oli. Have a good one. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. So folks, uh, May is, um, you know, we're heading into the Ocean Conservation Month. Uh, coming up next month, an ocean World Ocean Day. So again, it's really about trying to um, you know encourage people to care about the environment and to do our part. Every little bit helps. Uh, Oli did something that is amazing and phenomenal. Uh, obviously, most of us will never be able to do that, but there are things that you can do. You can reduce your your plastic. You can do reduce you know what your household consumes in terms of. Um, the strain that it's putting on the environment, you can recycle. I know that we don't have a huge recycling option available here yet in the Cayman Islands, but there are some options that are available and there are things that you can do. So um, do your part. And I think everyone collectively uh, doing their part, you know, it just makes a humongous difference. So again, hats off to uh, Ole Rush, who did the Grand Swim around the Cayman Islands. What a phenomenal, just absolutely phenomenal um just amazing, you know, feat that he has accomplished. He had to, you know, spend, he said overnight in the hospital when he completed the swim and, um, you know, rehydrating. He's still, he's still resting. I mean, I can, trust me, like I said, I can't imagine even going a day, 24 hours without sleep, much less um, doing something endurance level, uh, swimming around the island over 36 hours. Mm-mm-mm. Amazing. At dealing with sargasm, um, you know, coming up on the beach. Uh, I, I'm sure his his uh, there was a medical team waiting there, the ambulance and so forth, the EMTs to um, collect him from West Bay Dock to take him straight away to the hospital to ensure that all of his vitals were good and that he was you know able to get rehydrated uh, immediately. So um, quite quite amazing and um, yeah. You know, the goal was to raise money um, for the um, environmental causes as well. So check it out, folks. Um, Plastic Free Cayman. Check out their social media pages. They have a picture here of, you know, uh, what is happening to our beaches with the plastic. And listen, if you go to any beach in the Cayman Islands any day of the week, it really doesn't matter. And you just have a little walk around, a tour around, you will see for yourself the havoc that is being caused by all sorts of debris, but in particular plastic. Look, look at this photo. Isn't this horrible? Plastic strewn. Uh, this is a obviously a, a um, Photoshop, but this is realistic in so many ways that if you collected all the plastic and you put it in one location, folks, this is exactly uh, what you'd be looking at. You know, there's plastic bottles, there's um, everything from laundry detergent, water bottles, all sorts of debris ends up on our shorelines. And some of it isn't necessarily, it's not all necessarily from here in the Cayman Islands. Um, sometimes it washes ashore from other, you know, locations around the region, even sometimes around the world. So um, we really invite you to do your part to try to um, help the environment. Big shout out as well to the premier. He is attending a sustainability event tomorrow evening. We're still trying to work out the details. I think I'm waiting to hear from his team and whether or not we will have a usual Wednesday segment with him because he is uh, in the interim um, to Wednesday evening. He has committed to a sustainability event also. So we're trying to see if we can potentially 
uh, live stream that event. Not 100% sure yet. But this is a climate change um, public meeting that is being held tomorrow evening. That's Wednesday, May the 25th at 6 p.m. at Constitution Hall. So if you've not heard about this, let me encourage you folks to go out to this. And it's going to be an opportunity for us to learn about the ongoing climate change risk assessment for um, the Cayman Islands. And we've got representatives from the Center for Environmental Fisheries and Agriculture Science and the UK Center for Ecology and Hydro, Hydro, let me see here now, Hydrology. So that's UKCEH. Light refreshments will be provided. And again, this is going to be at Constitutional Hall. So this government, the PAC government, for the first time ever, has a Ministry of Sustainability and Climate Resiliency. And of course, the Premier is in charge of, um, of that particular ministry. And it really speaks to his focus on the environment and um, you know his commitment to, to what he says has to happen in terms of the environment. So folks, check this out. Um, the Premier, the Honorable Wayne, G. Wayne Panton, will be there at the meeting. And we will, if we can live stream it here, we will do so. Uh, we're just trying to work out the logistics of exactly how that's going to work. So um, he has said that the climate change risk assessment is a critical first step in reviewing and updating the Cayman Islands uh, climate change policy. So this has not really been much of a priority before this government. And he's taken this on as something that he's very, very passionate about. 936-BOBO is the telephone number, folks. Feel free to call in at any time. Let's just check in with our viewers. Yes, Miss Emma. So what else is going around, going on around the world? Well, there's a couple of things, um, folks, that have been trending on social media. So let's talk about some of those. Uh, some of those are fun things <laughs> that are trending. And others have me confused and perplexed. Um, so there is one video. I don't know if you guys saw this. It's, it's a bit strange, right? So I got it a couple um, evenings ago, and um, I'm still trying to figure out, you know, what it is. Uh, so, right. So someone said that Penny Palfrey did a swim for 34 hours. Um, oh, hold on a second. It says here, Penny, Penny swam from Little Cayman to Grand Cayman in 2011. And that was 34 hours into her 40 hour, 41 minute swim between Grand Cayman and Little Cayman. Um, and she said that the only thing she wanted at the time was chocolate ice cream. Wow. And she was 48 years old when she did that swim. Truly amazing. And there's an ESPN article here about it. Um, so super interesting. All right, folks. So listen, a couple things have been trending on uh, social media that I want to share with you guys. First of all, did you all miss or did you see the fun video of this little young man who celebrated a birthday in proper style? So this was an amazing um 
video of him that his mom sent us where he was, he loves the fish and he was reeling in a little fish. I don't know what kind of fish he ended up catching, but he was reeling it in on his little kitty fishing rod. He's only five, is he only five years old? A super cute kid. And this video has gone viral. So I'm going to share this with you guys here because this is truly uh, amazing in terms of how many people have seen and watched this video. Have a look at this folks. Check this out. It's now up to 1.7 million views. Yes, this is just on our Facebook page. I haven't even checked Instagram, but 1.7 million views on um, on Facebook. And here he is. Look at him. Five years old. Look at him with that little rod. <laughs> He caught a little fish and he's like, oh yeah. And he's reeling it in. Look, fish is almost as big as him, I swear. And there you go. Um, yes, I don't know if the other little kid's a little bit afraid of it. He's like, I'll let you take that off, daddy. So I don't even know um, what that, uh, what kind that was. But again, happy birthday to that little fellow there, all of five years old. And he has touched so many people. I mean, so many people have watched the video. Like I said, 1.7 million people watched the video. And I think that it's reached probably, let me just scroll down a little bit, see if I can find the original post. Um, it's reached well over that, maybe three or four times the amount of people have actually um post has reached. So amazing, amazing, amazing. Um, one person even come forward, has come forward and said that they wanted to donate a thousand dollars to this young man. Um, something that he can put like in his little education fund. Obviously he loves fishing already. And uh, Luis says it's a lagoon snapper. Thank you so much, Luis, for that uh, information. And um, yeah, he loves fishing so much that his mom says he was asking her if he could use the money to buy more fishing gear. And she said, nope, we're going to put it in a little fund for you um, for school. So that's that's our viral video of the week. Uh, super cute. Yep, there he is. Um, and he said that he would like some new fishing gear for his birthday. Isn't he adorable? So it has reached 3.23 million people. Over 180,000 people have engaged with it. So that means that they've liked it, they've shared it, and so on. And then 1.7 thousand um, comments, almost 2,000 shares, and the views, amazing, at 1.7 million views in just five days. It's not even a week yet. Uh, truly, truly amazing. So Irvlin says that that is a big catch for him. It sure is. <laughs> it's just so adorable. Um, I loved that video. And, you know, sometimes the most amazing things go viral. And I tell people this all the time. I was actually meeting with someone last week and they were like, you know, what, what kind of uh, things tend to go viral? And I said, you know what, to be quite honest, people love the feel good stories, the, the stuff that just makes, just warms your heart. And uh, the kid, you know, five-year-old fishing, that's what's going to go viral. It's not always the bad news that people think is actually going to go viral. It's a lot of the good news stuff that makes you feel amazing as well. Mm -mm -mm. So um, the air show folks is coming up. I want to make sure that you guys are prepared for this. this is the, uh, I want to say annual, but we actually haven't had it in many, many years. So this is re the return 
of the Cayman Islands Air Show. It's going to be on Friday, June the 3rd. So make sure that you save the date. That's a public holiday. We're going to have an extra long weekend in celebration of the Queen's Jubilee, Platinum Jubilee, here for 2022. So we're going to have flyover displays of Republic Beach from 10 a.m. until 12.30. And then we also have an aircraft exhibit at the airport from 2.30 until 5.30 p.m. So lots of people are super excited about the return of this event. Uh, It's been, I don't know exactly how many years it's been, but it's been a minute. And so some of you don't even remember what the air shows were like. So um, make sure that you gather the family, you um, plan your day, make your little snacks uh, to go on the road, your healthier snacks. Um, And then, yeah, this is going to be an absolutely fun filled day. So I'm looking forward to it. I can't recall having been to one here. I've been to air shows before, but I honestly don't remember going to one in Cayman. So this could be my first one. I'm thinking, hmm. Entirely possible. But um, air shows are amazing. Uh, There's so much um, skill that is involved in pulling these off uh, from all the performers. And I'm sure that they're going to be bringing in some performers, um, you know, obviously from overseas with a lot of aircrafts that are uh, unusual for us to see in our airspace. So very, very exciting. Big shout out to um, the Cayman Islands uh, Government Department of Tourism for um, putting this event on. So again, Friday, June the 3rd. It's going to be quite an amazing um, show. So a lot of people are looking forward to that event. And the Queen's uh, Platinum Jubilee celebrations continue. And there really is a lot, uh, folks, that's going to be going on. So make sure that you stay tuned to learn more about all the activities. So there was a tea um, event this weekend at the National um at the museum that was well attended and a lot of people enjoyed that. So of course we are a British overseas territory and people love their tea chill. Caribbean people, the world as a whole loves tea, I think. And uh, we certainly drink our fair share here in the Caribbean, all sorts of tea. As our introductory song says, everything from ginger to sorrel, whatever uh, your little heart desires. um, You know, there was an actual tea event uh, at the museum this weekend. By the way, when was the last time you visited the museum? These are some of our national treasures and things that I feel like we miss out on all the time. Uh, You know, tourists come here and they enjoy these activities. And here we are in the Cayman Islands and we forget, quite frankly, that they're even there. Hmm. So um, the HSA continues to encourage people to get vaccinated. If you've not been vaccinated yet, uh, they do have a vaccine clinic that is ongoing and they are encouraging uh, children. They have a dose of uh, vaccines now available on, on island for children. So the vaccine has proven safe for children. It's a different dose and they have uh, tweaked it and gotten, um, you know, uh, the necessary approvals uh, across Europe and in the U.S. for different manufacturers of the vaccine to make it safe for children. And it's proven extremely safe and effective. We mentioned, I think it was yesterday in the news segment, that um, in Jamaica, the mask mandates are returning because unfortunately COVID is seeing a fifth wave in Jamaica. There's no stopping this COVID at the moment, folks. It continues to run through populations. And the thing about it is it's not the type of um, infection that, you know, once you've had it, you're good. 
and you can say, oh, I've got immunity, no problem, I'm good to go. You can get it more than once. And I have known of people who have actually uh, tested positive for COVID multiple times. And every time you test positive, your outcome uh, could be very, very different. So I want to encourage everyone, uh, encourage people to please uh, get vaccinated. We see that, you know, yes, the vaccines are not lasting as long as we had hoped for. You've got to get your booster shots. Uh, most of us have, well, I'd say most, but I know I have had my booster. I did my two shots and then I did my booster. Um, knock on wood, COVID free, haven't had COVID yet. Uh, but, you know, people in my household have had it. Uh, thankfully, it wasn't anything too serious for them. Um, of course, my husband's also vaccinated and our daughter had it and she just suffered, um, you know, kind of like a, a cold um, had congestion and that sort of thing. The first couple of days was a little bit miserable. And then after that, she was on the mend. So on Friday, other viral stories, we saw a post went up about how um, at Cayman Prep, there has been a significant outbreak of COVID. Um, some hundred and I think it was 121 cases that were reported to us. We know that public health is is looking at the situation there. And a lot of people, you know, had comments about this, of course, um, very, very topical issue. Uh, one parent said that a lot of kids are still not wearing masks. And listen, I get it. You've got mask fatigue. People are tired of wearing masks. But folks, I cannot stress enough. There's another study that just came out again last week that masks are safe. And in fact, um, it is your one of your best defenses to trying to not catch the, um, the coronavirus and to protect other people as well from getting it. So, you know, sometimes we may be COVID positive and we don't even know that we are. Hmm. So um, this is one way in which to protect yourself and others. And so it continues to be, you know, very, very good. Uh, the recommendation is it works and you should use it. It's effective. And, um, you know, the every single World Health Organization, CDC, all of these organizations continue to encourage people to wear a mask. You know, um, <clears throat> even in New Zealand, there was an article a couple of days ago talking about, you know, how to properly wear your mask. I know we've been over this, but I still see people uh, not wearing their mask in a proper fashion that is actually going to protect you. So the good advice is that although some countries have dropped their mask mandate, you have to now take matters into your own hands and continue, <clears throat> my apologies, to be safe and part of the safety protocols include uh, the wearing of, um, of your mask. Yeah. Do all the things that you know have, um, you know, gotten us to where we are. So everything from washing your hands frequently, uh, thoroughly washing your hands with, with warm water and not some soap. Um, you know, I'm not a fan of hand sanitizers. I feel like everywhere you go, they want to overly sanitize you. But, um, you know, just be cautious of overusing uh, those types of things as well. Um, but, you know, nothing beats a good hand wash. No amount of hand sanitizer in the world can beat a good hand wash. Trust me. Wash your hands, folks. 
Uh, Monkeypox continues to trend around the world as well. So now we know that it's in a number of different places, including Broward County, which is right there in Miami, Florida, folks. Um, just a one hour and 15 minute airplane ride away from us. So we want to exercise caution. It is very, very easy uh, for these things to transmit, especially when people are traveling internationally. Um, it can come right in on the plane with an infected person quite as easy as that. So that's some other trending news. Um, by the way, Miss Barbara, good morning to you. She says, uh, good day, been off island for a while, happy to be home and had to watch my show at random times over the past 10 days. Be sure not to miss, um, but sure not to miss it. Thank you so much. And yes, thank you, Miss Barbara, for the reminder that, uh, you know, sometimes you're traveling or we're busy and we have other things to do. You can always go back and watch your show on our social media platforms because it's on Facebook and it's on YouTube. So you can feel free to tune in and watch it at any time. Sometimes you got to watch it in little segments. I find that happens uh, for me. I don't get to watch something all at once. Um, so, yes. And we do have uh, our mailbag, which we're going to be opening up here on tomorrow's program, where we read your uh, letters and your, you know, commentary that you sent in. You can send it by email, tips at caymanmallroad.com. Sometimes you'll send stuff via social media. So we have a couple of things that are coming up by way of discussions, uh, some related to a few of the questions that we've had related to labor concerns. So, um, oh, my apologies. Uh, Soka says Miami is Dade County, um, but she's sure it's there as well. Where's Broward? Broward is outside of Miami. Mm. Mm -mm. So, yes, it's in Florida. <laughs> so it's just a hop, skip and uh, airplane ride away. Yes. Um, Broward, is that closer to Fort Lauderdale area? Oh, I can never remember. Um, so yes, uh, protect yourselves, folks. Definitely. Mm -mm -mm. Um, so here's a little tidbit of news for you in terms of mask wearing. ND95 mask provides 75 times better protection uh, compared to well-fitting surgical masks. This is according to a new study that was done by the Max Planck's Institute for Dynamics and Self-Organization out of Germany. So check that out. So healthcare workers, scientists who woke up with nasty pathogens and workers who may be exposed to hazardous airborne particles in the job rely on specialized masks like ND95s for protection. So we know that properly fitted, they're highly efficient masks, um, says a professor at Virginia Tech and expert on airborne viral transmissions. So they said to the fit of your mask plays a big role and how protective it is. This is what the researchers have found. Um, if it doesn't fit tightly, properly enclosing both your mouth and your nose, it won't work well at all. So I see people all the time walking around with the mask uh, underneath their noses. And I'm like, what's the point? You might as well not have on a mask. Um, so again, this was a recent study that found that mask adjusted to fit perfectly on the bridge of the nose block over four times more particles than the masks that are not. And trust me, the four times is a huge difference. Uh, so yes, continue to wear your mask, especially in, uh, in crowded areas. So let me tell you what I did last night. I actually went out last night, believe it or not. I know. 
Hard to believe, but I went out. Uh, so I enjoyed an amazing concert put on by the Emsley Memorial Church at the Harkwell Theater. And by the way, they will continue. Um, they're celebrating their 100th year anniversary of their, their structure here in the Cayman Islands. And so it's a big year of celebrations uh, for Emsley as well. And um, they had a jazz concert. It initially was supposed to be under the um, the stars uh, outside at the um, oh where were they? at the National Gallery, and then they changed the venue to inside because they were a bit uncertain about the weather. So they actually changed the venue um, from the outside venue to inside the Hartgold Theater. And it was, I think it was a good change, in fact, because, ooh, the mosquitoes were vicious last night. OMG. Oh my God, they were, they were ridiculous. Coming into the venue, they were like swarming around and trying to bite you up. I was like, uh-uh, no, honey child. So yeah, somebody reminded me that Fort Lauderdale is Browder County. Thank you so much. Um, so yes, the, the mosquitoes were, were, were oh, child y'all know the tropics uh those blood suckers so they were out in full force but thankfully the venue was inside and once you got inside it was beautiful about two hours they went over two hours worth of amazing music they had a number of guests they had like a um quartet of four kind of central people in the band uh they've come in i think three of the four have are visiting from Cuba, um, an amazing uh, performance last night. And then they had some guest performers as well. So a couple of the guest performers were like, you know, um, they teach at the music school or they head up the music program at some of the uh, schools here on Island. And wow, what amazing talent from the violin to the flute, to um, the trombone, the drums, the piano. It was just absolutely, absolutely amazing. Um, so, um, you know, at the end of the day, it was, um, yeah, it was it was really phenomenal. And we had a fantastic time. So we made a little date night out of it, uh, left Miss Gigi at home. And um, I'll put up some of the I, I captured some of the performance last night. So I'll put that up a little bit later on on our social media cha channels so that you guys can have a listen and see some of the performance. But Emily continues to have other events. And so they're inviting you to join them at a number of upcoming events, um, including some fundraisers. So they do have uh, a walkathon. Let me just tell you what this one is. This is a registration form. So this Saturday, May the 28th, they actually have a run walk event and they're encouraging people to register for this event. So we'll share this again a little bit later on, but they, the uh, registration has been a little bit slow for the event thus far. And so they're encouraging people to sign up and get registered. It's a wonderful opportunity again, to celebrate Elmsley's 100 years um, here in the Cayman Islands. And uh, this is a church that many of you will be very, very familiar with in terms of, um, you know, them being a, a staple in the community. So as you know, on Friday, we had the national funeral for Miss Sybil McLaughlin and her funeral was actually at Emsley Memorial. Uh, the, the church structure has been there for a hundred years. It has sustained everything from storms to everything, <laughs> hurricanes, um, storms, nor'westers. Um, it was built with quality. 
let's just put it that way. Um, so they continue their year long celebration, check them out. I'm sure they must have a social media page with some of their information on their website as well. But again, congratulations to a well orchestrated total pun intended event last night. And, um, you know, it was well attended. I wore my mask. It was indoors. Uh, we were in close proximity with people. And again, I was surprised to see people there. Um, not wearing their mask. And I was thinking, why? This is indoors. You can't maintain six feet of social distancing in that environment. But, um, you know, it, it was it was a beautiful, beautiful event. So Irvalyn says, um, so I have to take fresh air when we're outside. Can't keep it on 24-7. No, definitely. Listen, uh, the way that I reduce my mask wearing is I just don't hang around people. I limit my contact with people as much as I can. So I either, you know, stay home in my home office or, you know, I have a small office in town where I can social distance from people. So if I'm not within six feet of other people, um, you know, you don't necessarily have to um, have your mask on. So I think you need to use good discretion. Um, you know. You just have to use your good discretion and good discretion is if you're indoors and you're in uh, areas with crowds, then it's probably a good idea to have your mask on. And in fact, it's probably not a bad idea, folks, to wear your mask, even for some outdoor activities. So, you know, I've noticed that we're in carnival season now and people are going out, jumping up and down, that sort of thing. Um, you know, yeah, that's that's kind of a high-risk environment. You're breathing all over each other. Remember when we first started down this COVID journey? I think we've forgotten a lot about COVID. And we were talking about how doing certain activities propels your breath way more than, than you realize. So, in fact, even when you're outdoors, but you're exercising, that adds a very different element to it. So the six feet now becomes 15 feet. Because when you're jogging or you're breathing heavily because of exercise, your breath and all of the particles, right, are all your germy particles are being, um, you know, sort of sent way further uh, away from you than you can imagine. So someone who just ran in front of you and then you walk through that airspace, yes, you are being exposed to the very same air that they have, uh, that they've just expelled and heaven forbid it was uh, filled with any COVID. Mm. Cause then you got a situation on your hands, right? So that, that's how it works. I think people just need to be realistic about their level of exposure. One of the things, and I find this so amazing, a lot of people, um, or like, oh, sanitize your hands, which is fine because we do touch surfaces and then we touch our faces and stuff. But we know that this is an airborne um, disease, right? This is an airborne virus. And so a lot of people are not talking about the fact that where they really need to spend some money and to do something is in relation to the, the actual um, quality of the air conditioning and the filtration systems. That's where you need to see some improvements and nobody wants to do that because that's going to cost money. Mm -mm -mm. So we know that um, filtration systems that, you know, have uh, been improved and yes, it's going to cost money, but they are proven more and more to be extremely effective folks 
uh, as it relates to just giving you cleaner air. And that's when it comes to indoor usage, that is the number one thing that you can do other than wearing your mask. Yeah. So um, wear your mask, folks. That's that's the best advice um, that we can uh, provide for you. And um, if you are a company or organization and you have a building uh, that is, um, you know, that, that you are in control of and that you can do something about, encourage the building owners or the managers or whoever, the strata to really look at trying to improve the air quality in those buildings by upgrading the systems. And you've got to talk to some professionals who can provide you with some guidance on that particular um, you know, issue. So, but it, it's, it, it's proven that it definitely does help. All right. So just looking at a few other things, um, I was reading a comment here that made me chuckle, um, about the outbreak, uh, at Cayman Prep. So one person said 121 positive cases and no one is sick. And I thought how they're not even a parent at that school. <laughs> how would they know that? Um, so our, our hospitalizations have increased. Let me just tell you, I'm trying to remember if GIS has sent out anything recently in our, our WhatsApp news group. Let me just have a quick look. Uh, nothing since Friday. So we don't have any, any numbers since then. Um, but, you know, again, we have seen an increase in hospitalizations uh, here in the Cayman Islands as well. So the numbers are, are creeping up. Um, let me just see if I can find some additional information here. So every, everybody just wants to ignore. We all want to get back to normal. I totally understand and get it. Um, so COVID numbers as of, we don't have any recent COVID numbers. What? Okay. Let me see if I can find our situational report, but the last report I had was from Friday, May the 6th, but this is outdated. Um, so at that point we were getting figures from Wednesday and Thursday, we had 1,000 323 estimated active cases of COVID-19 in the Cayman Islands, seven persons hospitalized for COVID-related illnesses, four of them unvaccinated, seven-day rolling average is around 100, and the Sister Islands had reported 12 new cases. Um, but I do feel like, um, I do feel like, I do feel like um, we should have a report since then. I'll, I'll try to see if I can have a look. Um, you know, they went from reporting. They don't necessarily report it every day. They kind of changed the reporting standard to once a week. But we should have had something since then. Um, and we haven't. So we'll have a look at that. So just be mindful, folks. I mean, thankfully, most people are not getting uh, seriously ill um, at this stage, but you know, um, there are people who have gotten ill and that we don't necessarily know anything about. They're not out there, you know, broadcasting it across the airwaves. I ran into a lady recently, she's a senior government official and she had COVID about a month or so ago. And she said, Sandy, I thought I was going to die. And I said, what? She said, yes. She said, honestly, I feel like if I wasn't vaccinated, I would have been hospitalized, but it was really, really bad. And at one point it came to, you know, as close as her thinking that she might have had to go into the hospital for this. And she's ordinarily a healthy, um, probably 50 something year old woman. And I thought, whoa, 
uh, crazy. Mm-mm-mm. So um, it's something that we will continue to strive to live with to the best of our ability, but you cannot let your guard down. You've just got to be very, very careful and cognizant um, of these things. So big congratulations to Miss Sarah Hobbs, who's the new president of the Bankers Association. This is the first time that they have appointed a female president, and they also have Miss Amanda Bodden as vice president. So congratulations to both of these uh, ladies for this um, you know, very good accomplishment. So Ms. Hobbs, again, is the first female president for this Cayman Islands Bankers Association since it was um, created in 1979. Mm-mm. And this is also the first time that two female appointees will head up the CIBA Board of Directors, which is their executive committee. So they've got uh, both a president and vice president as women. So Mr. Richard Lewis, who is the chief operating officer of the Cayman Islands Bankers Association, said that the appointment of two female committee members um, with their combined experience within the Caribbean banking sector will prove invaluable to CIBA and its mission to further the development of the Cayman Islands and as an international banking center. So very, very interesting uh, comments there coming from that story. So congratulations to both of them. Uh, trending, the other thing that was trending a little bit on social media, somebody stole, this is so bizarre, right here in the grounds, someone stole a washing machine. Did you guys see this? When I first saw this, I thought, is this a joke? Now, there's a possibility that it could have been an accident, but then um, when you don't return it, <laughs> it's no longer an accident it becomes a clear case of theft. Hmm. Bizarre. So um, what we know is that this washing machine, I'm going to show you guys a little picture here of it, was taken um, some days ago over the weekend, it seems like. And um, this person says, uh, Dear CMR, uh, good night, Miss Sandy. Can you please post this for me this evening? In a lapse of 20 minutes, someone stole my sister's washing machine. She lives in, on Middle Road, which is close to the Christy Thompson Hospital, which is now Doctor's Hospital, by the way. Uh, by the yellow apartments, the washer is three months old, and it's one of the small ones, and that some guys were there helping a tenant move. So maybe they accidentally picked it up thinking that it belonged to that tenant. But of course, by now, the tenant should have known or should have been able to see that uh, this was not their washing machine. And the right thing to do would be to return it. So, um, yeah, if you have a washing machine, folks, that does not belong to you, please, by all means, uh, figure out how you can return this. Uh, Mistakes happen. People pick up things by accident sometimes. You know, this has happened to the best of us. You pick up the wrong phone, you pick up the wrong wallet, whatever, if you're in a public area sometimes. But the key really is to try to return it to the rightful owner. And, you know, a washing machine is a little bit hard to miss in the sense that if it's delivered to you by accident, you can kind of see that it's there. Ay, ay, ay. What a mess. Mm-mm-mm. I tell you. Um, not too sure what to make of, of that situation, but again, just encouraging people to always try to do the right thing. Try to be honest. 
and just take it back. Maybe it's embarrassment. Maybe, maybe they're so embarrassed by the fact that somebody picked it up and delivered it to their house. But, you know, like I said, these things happen. Just return it. No questions will be asked. Mm, what a mess. Oh, yes. Uh, um, uh, some, some days I must tell you that I, uh, I'm just not even sure. So uh, Territories Talk, make sure you tune in here on CMR and Facebook and YouTube channels. Uh, tomorrow evening, we will have a Territories Talk segment with um, Mr. Thomas Famous from uh, Bermuda, uh, Sheena Smith Archer from the Virgin Islands, Eden Hurlston from the Cayman Islands. They're going to be talking about... Um, their discussion this week is on Turks and Caicos current affairs. And they have a special guest, Mr. Damien Wilson from TCI as well. So that's every other Wednesday they have their live stream on. Um, and it, it falls on the same day. It didn't used to fall on the same day as we did premiere access, but then somehow we got out of sync and we switched it up. So it does fall on the same day um, and they kind of overlap, but don't worry. You can watch one live and then go back and watch the other one on the replay. So not a problem. Yeah. Uh, just trying to see what else has been trending in social media. We had an alert go out from a lady who needed some assistance and finding a dog owner whose dog attacked her dog. Now, you guys know that this is a topic that unfortunately I have had personal experience with and is very, very near and dear to my heart because this is exactly how uh, we lost our dear Coco who was a family member uh, being attacked by the neighbor's dog. And she was viciously killed in an attack by two dogs. Um, although one was kind of the primary, um, I don't even know what the word is, the primary attacker. And so as usual here in the Cayman Islands, nothing is done. Uh, people go scot-free for having dangerous dogs on the loose. Um, no prosecution, no nothing. It's, it's just shocking and unbelievable. What is allowed to happen in this country? Um, you know, even a previous governor, she was attacked by, by stray dogs. And of course those dogs were quickly apprehended and put down, but when it happens to you, my friends, there's a different set of rules for different people. So, um, sadly, um, Coco has not had any justice and I continue to advocate for number one, the police to take this more seriously when this happens. And number two, I think that the truth of the matter is, although we always say there's no such thing as a bad dog. There's only bad owners. Well, sort of. There are some bad dogs. Um, and sometimes a dog has issues because of inbreeding or other things, or they just haven't been properly socialized. But once a dog has attacked another dog or killed a dog or injured a person, I think that you need to look very, very closely. And you need to talk to experts at what that dog's future will be. Um, because, you know, in a lot of jurisdictions, including the U.S. and Florida, for example, a dog bites somebody or, or attacks another dog once and the dog is going to be put down. No ifs, ands or buts about it. And I think we need to have a much and as much as I love, I love dogs and animals, generally speaking, I think that we need to understand the dangers, uh, the dangerous situation that we're putting people in. And in fact, you know, poor Coco on the night that she was attacked and killed, those dogs had gone and attacked and killed another, or not killed, but they had attacked another um, dog further up in the neighborhood. And just thankfully for that dog, uh, he was able to escape with the help of neighbors. They had to fight off these two dogs and they continued their, um, 
their deadly journey that night and and then made it to our yard. And unfortunately, just timing, you know, Coco and I had just walked outside um, as she was attacked. So, you know, I think we need better legislation when it comes to the animal law. That's one of those pieces of legislation that's outdated and that needs to be updated. And in addition to that, we also need proper enforcement because there are things in the law that do exist that would allow the officials to do more than they're doing. We have two animal welfare officers on an island of this size with um, an overpopulation of unwanted dogs and, and stray dogs that are allowed to, to roam the streets of the Cayman Islands and they attack people. So this poor lady, her dog, thankfully survived the attack, but was attacked and she asked us to share the information to try to find the owner. So here's the thing. When your, your dog, who's your responsibility legally, does something like attacks another dog, you have to be willing to take full responsibility for it. You can't shake off your responsibility, whether it's going to be now a vet bill or maybe even having your dog put down. That's, that's a possibility. And uh, you shouldn't run away from, from that situation. Because I tell you what, once a dog has killed a dog, it's only a matter of time before it happens again. Keeping them locked up behind a fence is a temporary solution. Because as I said, even to the welfare officers in my case, it's only a matter of time before the dogs get out again. Something always happens. Somebody left the gate open. You know, the fence guys are working on the gate. These things happen. And the problem is you have a dog who has no self-regulation They've never been socialized around other dogs. So when they see other dogs, they have a killer instinct to kill that dog. And the owner is unable to control the dog in any way, shape, or form. So what do you think is going to happen if the dog gets out again? Thankfully, it was not a human being. Thankfully, you know, my daughter who was standing there at the time of this incident uh, two years ago uh, was not the target of the animals at that particular time, but she could have been. You know, and, and this is this is the thing here in the Cayman Islands. We continue to ignore these issues, um, you know, until the day that it's your turn. And then all of a sudden you're blowing up the phone lines on that particular day like, oh, Miss Sandy, this is what happened to me. Well, there have been a lot of people on this island who unfortunately have lost um, their their family pets to vicious attacks because people either allow dogs to roam around carelessly. They have dogs that they cannot control, that they have no control over. And, um, you know, it's just a sad state of affairs. Um, so um, Soka says, precious Coco, humans are the most dangerous animals, but absolutely there are bad dogs, many a result of poor ownership, no training or trained to attack. Yes. And I think that sometimes there can be something genetically off with a dog as well. Um, you know, I'm no breeding expert, but I've, I've done my fair share of research over the years. And even myself, I had a dog that was a bit, how would I describe Coco? I often say that Coco was the kind of dog that only a mother could love. You know, some of y'all have children like that. Like nobody really loves your children because your children torment everybody on the playground or whatever. But you're, you as a parent, you're always going to love your kid, right? And so I feel like... Um, you know, this is this is one of those things where she was kind of Coco was a male, by the way. He was kind of like that. He was he could be very, very sweet, but he was a little bit um passive aggressive. So Coco never bit anyone or anything like that, but he's the type of dog that would walk up to you in the beach and pee on your towel. Legit, he's done that before and talk about embarrassing. 
when you have to apologize for someone like, oh, my rude dog, for whatever reason, was attracted to your, your towel, had the whole wide beach to himself, all the bushes in the world, but decided that your towel was so much more enticing. Mm-mm-mm. Walked right over and lifted his leg. And I'm sitting there looking at this dog like, what are you doing? Uh, but you know, when you have, you have to know your dog's temperament and your dog's personality. And, you know, I knew that if I took him to a beach and there were kids there, I couldn't let him off the leash, uh, not because he would bite them, but because he would steal their food. He would walk up to them, knock the plate out of their hands and steal their hot dog and run off and eat it. That's just how Oscar was. <laughs> he was special like that. Um, you know, on the other hand, Coco was an absolutely lovely dog, perfect with children. Um, you know, one day we were walking in her old neighborhood and there was a little kid, a little toddler that walked up to her and grabbed her on the face and like pinched her face. And I heard Coco go, Arr! and I thought to myself, oh my gosh, no, 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 no. Don't do that to the dog. Um, because in that split moment, that's when a dog bites you, when you hurt them and you do something to hurt them. And of course, Coco was just such a beautiful temperament that she just yelped out and pulled back from the dog as opposed to snapping at pull back from the baby, sorry, as opposed to snapping at that toddler. Right. And in that moment, this was years before, you know, I had my daughter in that moment. I knew that, Oh my gosh, Coco is actually a really beautiful dog. Even with kids, she has a perfect personality and, uh, but you have to teach children and other people to respect dogs and to respect their space. So folks, there were times when, you know how a newborn is and babies, you know, they want to grab onto dog, whatever. And I'd have to say, no, 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 you've got to be gentle. This is how we touch a dog. And if I saw Coco like moving away and not, maybe she just was in the mood and didn't want to be bothered. You know, we were teaching our dog, our dog, our daughter to respect those boundaries, right? A dog will give you warning signs that they have had enough or that they're not interested in playing with you right now, whatever. And you have to be respectful of those. So um, I'm glad that in this particular incident, this lady, uh, her dog survived the attack, but she was looking for the owner. And guess what? We found the owner for her. Mm. So, sir, you know who you are. Uh, you allowed your dog to attack somebody else's dog and you walked away and did nothing. So um, I think she's going to be contacting Animal Welfare to be in contact with you as she rightfully should. What a mess. Mm -mm. Just, it's hard to believe that people do not take responsibility uh, for their actions. Mm. Uh, another, um, you know, deadline that you guys need to be aware of is on May the 31st. We mentioned this in the news segment earlier. If you still have a temporary license plate, you need to ensure now that you... Um, you get your license plate sorted out. So the Department of Vehicle Licensing Department has is urging all motor vehicle owners that have temporary plates to please replace them with permanent plates by the 31st of May. So that is the deadline. So temporary plates will cease to be legal at the end of May. Temporary laminated plates can be switched um, at the Crew Road location Monday to Fridays from 8.30 a.m. until 4 p.m. So ensure that you do this because, again, it carries a fine Mm -hmm. It's a criminal offense, $2,500 fine, and up to six months imprisonment. So I wouldn't chance it if I were you. 
Right. So police continue to encourage um, scammers to not scammers, the good citizens to watch out for the scammers who are trying to once again separate you from your hard earned money. So there's a lot of different scams out there. There's scammers like people um, work related scammers. So they're pretending like they have jobs. We've talked about those before here in the program. And there's also scammers now who are pretending to be the authorities pretending to be the police, to pretend to be financial crime. And they are actually um, contacting you and trying to get you to, I don't know, click on a link. And you shouldn't do it because apparently it's uh, will then take you to some sort of malicious software that will infect your computer. Mm-mm. So um, Soka says that he's worse than the dog for walking away with no apology or nothing. Yes, unfortunately, people do not take responsibility. This is really, really horrible, um, Soka. And, um, you know, like I said, things can happen. Uh, Sometimes you don't see the warning signs, although the warning signs are there when it comes to your dog. But when something happens, the thing to do as a pet owner is to simply take full responsibility um, for those situations and, you know, apologize, uh, compensate potentially the um, the owner for any medical bills and any other losses that they may have suffered. Um, of course, you cannot bring a deceased pet back. Um, and so that is, you know, not a situation, unfortunately, that you can undo. Uh, interestingly enough, in the case of her neighbor, initially she said that she'd put the one dog that she saw as the more aggressive of the two, that she was happy to put that dog down. And then she changed her mind later on. So the dog is still there. And uh, I got to tell you that um, I, I don't even know what to say. Um, You know, it's, it's, it's very, very challenging. All right. Um, Okay. Let me see here what else that we've got. Um, so just covering some of the, oh yes, this this video, we'll, we'll end the show on this because this is super weird. I don't know what to make of this one, but did you guys see the video of the man? Everybody sent it to me and they said, oh, this should be your jackass of the day. You guys know we have, we have jackasses of the day and people send, um, pictures and videos all the time for um, nomination for jackass of the day. Some of them are very obvious. It's easy to see, to spot certain jackasses of the day. And uh, this one, I was a bit confused by. I'm not quite sure what to make of this video, but uh, people did send it to me. And so it's a guy who is at... Um, it looks like maybe a beach barbecue function. This was a TikTok video. I'm assuming he put it up himself. This is the weird thing is when people, when people expose themselves and then you think, did you not think that people would see this and think that there was something wrong here? So I don't quite know why he put it up. It is a bizarre video, but I'll let you watch it, those of you in social media. And then for the radio listeners, I'm going to describe to you um, exactly what's going on. So we have a man who um, is at the beach and he takes a, let me just pull up the video here. 
So he actually takes a um, a barbecue. Ready for us? I'm gonna that. be. I carry. Get the fuck out! No! <laughs> Get the fuck out! <laughs> yeah, boy! <laughs> that is fucking awesome. I've never seen that. That is fucking awesome. What? stupid uh, and my apologies for for the language as well but what we have here is someone who has um decided to take a what, what are the what are the bags called the charcoal bags and he has put a charcoal bag over his head and some people are saying oh this is clearly him trying to put on blackface i don't know if that was actually his intent i think it's actually just really stupid it's it's unhealthy first of all but um you know some people are not the brightest and so he thought that this was funny to put this charcoal bag on his head um it obviously still has you can hear the charcoal in it so it still has some charcoal in it he covers his head with it and then he shakes his head in the charcoal bag so that he is covered in a black face now whether or not he was trying to emulate quote unquote black face i don't actually know um, you know, his uh, mates there, you know, whoever his friends are, thought it was funny. You heard their comments in the first um, showing of the video. They were laughing and having a good time and thinking that this was super funny. To me, it's just stupid. It's unhealthy. And I don't even know, I don't even know what, the, what it's about. I don't know what the point of doing it was. Uh, you know, <laughs> ingesting charcoal is not something that can be healthy for you. And you see him then, here's what I find even more disturbing is that he then goes to jump in the ocean to wash himself off because he's at a, um, he's at a condo that's like, you know, oceanfront condo. And I think, dude, kill yourself if you want. I guess that's your prerogative to do so. Cause like I said, there's lots of space in hell for stupid people. Heaven is already full. There's a quota of stupidity that's allowed in heaven. It's full already. But, you know, you can go to hell with your stupidity. But then you you turn around and you go into the ocean. And so basically you're getting all this charcoal debris that you're washing off of yourself into the ocean, into the environment. It's people like this that make me just kind of like shake my head. And I'm just like, what on earth were you not thinking about? Like everything about this is just <laughs> kind of silly and doesn't make any sense. But uh, yeah, there you have it. I don't know what he was thinking, but he thought it was, he thought it was funny. I, I don't know what to make of this. So people have said to me, oh, you know, um, put him up as Jack Castle today. Well, <sighs> yes. But I, I don't know if there were any real racial overtones here. Like, I don't know if he was trying to put on the black face or if he just thought that covering himself in, um, in soot was like, in charcoal soot was just funny. So Sabrina says, I think it was just him being drunk and playing around being stupid. Yeah, I kind of feel that way as well. And um, I don't know why then people decide to post things like that on social media. Cause at first I didn't recognize who he was. And then someone said to me, Oh, remember he's the dude that works at Cayman dental. And I'm like, Oh yes, you're supposed to be a professional part of your life. But when you do things like that and you post them on social media, folks, people are going to sit back and question whether you even have any common sense. 
even in a drunken state, there's certain things that you may do, but you don't need to let the world know about it. Like you don't need to blast it on Twitter or TikTok or wherever this was posted. <sighs> what a mess. Mm-mm-mm. I tell you. So tomorrow is, is uh, Wednesday. Soka says, but isn't he black? Looks so to me. Um, no, Soka, he would probably not consider himself black. Um, I'll send you a proper picture of him. So Cameron says you'd be surprised the benefits of properties found in charcoal. Yeah, but not in that way, my dear. <laughs> you don't just throw charcoal up on your face like that. All right, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in. Bobo listeners, you guys have a fantastic day. I think we'll go ahead and end the program here for everybody today. Uh, tune in tomorrow. We're going to have Mr. McKeever Bush has said that he wants to come on the program. So we should have him on the program. So make sure that you guys tune in for that to see what Mr. Bush has to say for himself. Have a beautiful day. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Cold Hard Truth on Bobo 89.1 FM. Cayman's number one talk show is live weekdays from 7.30 a.m. Never miss an episode again. Watch anytime on CMR's Facebook and YouTube channels for the latest show episodes. Don't forget to follow us online on our social media channels and visit CaymanMarlRoad.com for all the latest news and community happenings. 